0: Hello! Welcome to Ono, Ross, and Carrie, the show where we don't just report on fringe science, spirituality, claims of the paranormal. No way! At least one of us takes part ourselves.
1: (laughs) Yep, when they make the claims, we show up so you don't have to. I'm Ross Blotcher.
0: And I'm Noah. Noah! Hey!
1: Boy, I thought you died at 950. You're still around. Kept
0: going. Wit in a mountain.
1: No accounting. Too
0: wise. Couldn't leave. <laughs> <laughs> One of those. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Yeah, All right, there's just a few of us. So, Baba G,
1: thanks for joining me, Noah.
0: Yeah, no problem. I gotta go to bed.
1: Well, it's relevant because we're talking about the arc again.
0: Oh, hey, uh, standing in for Noah. This is Carrie. Hey, hey,
1: Carrie. Yeah, we're gonna continue our dramatic arc. Great. Looking at the, the arc. long
0: arc of history.
1: Yeah, <laughs> and it bends <laughs> towards. Kentucky.
0: Okay, so let me see. When we left off, you had just gotten out of a VR thing and we still hadn't actually gotten to the arc itself.
1: Right, cuz I was leading you around all the different food options and I got food and that's important, but I didn't get a drink. Okay. Because I'd already I'd already found out that mm-hmm. you could buy at any one of these food kiosks, you know, 2-3 dollar soda, sure, or you could buy a collectible souvenir drink container. Now,
0: hang on.
1: And then get free, free refills? sodas for the rest of your stay at the ARC and or Creation Museum.
0: For the whole day or like if you go multiple days? The rest of days. your
1: stay. What? Yeah, multiple days. Can you days. bring it
0: back another year?
1: I haven't tested that.
0: We got to go back.
1: I would assume yes. I mean, unless they change the design yeah. so often that they're like, that's a 2022 cup. But I don't think so. And there were many designs available. Okay. And I said, I'm not going to buy a one-off soda. I'm going to eat my tacos and then read my Dino facts. And then <laughs> I'm going to go buy one of these souvenir mugs so that I can keep coming back for more Absolutely. free drinks. Soda. So I wandered into the gift shop. Okay. Guess where the gift shop is?
0: Not on the ark.
1: At the base of the ark.
0: At the base of the ark. Actually, there is oh, a. Oh, did you have to pound on the door? Let me in! <laughs> that would be so <laughs> hilarious.
1: Oh my goodness. You shouldn't
0: make it like that.
1: What if there was an entrance to the ark where you <laughs> had to go and like futilely like hit the wall like, please let me I'm in. They're like sorry. There's only room for eight. <laughs> Because
0: this is, this is what happens in the Bible, for those who haven't read it.
1: You should have been wise in the eyes of the Lord. <laughs>
0: exactly. And then they're like, okay, come on in.
1: Oh, man, that would be amazing. Okay, well, great note. But there is a gift shop kind of under
0: the ark. Okay. So
1: you walk in beneath the prow.
0: Ooh, the prow. Is that the ship? not the bow? The, the front. Oh, the front. It's the
1: okay. front of the ship. Yeah, this is the front part. It's kind of up on stilts. Both big wooden ones with knots in them, but also these kind of yellow stucco ones that it's resting on top of that match that big NASA-like looking building that's attached to the arc that bisects yeah. the arc. Anyway, so there's a space under it, essentially. You kind of walk under and into what I later found out was the rear entrance, which makes sense because normally you exit through the gift shop. Right. I was entering through the gift shop.
0: No, oh, yeah, that is interesting.
1: And I would later learn the main entrance is on the opposite side.
0: Ah, uh, okay. You, you come in you the back. You going in through the butt. That's right. Okay, like a telomere.
1: <laughs> like a telomere. Yeah. Yeah.
0: You know, they eat their own butts. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Do they? Those are just the the strings of genetic information.
0: That's right. They get get shortened by stress diseases. One time there was like a piece of news and I couldn't remember it. And I said to you that the telomeres eat their own butts. And we got all these emails that are like, what does this mean? And then we couldn't source it. And I was like, I swear to God, they eat their own butts.
1: I've stricken this from my memory. I
0: don't think they eat their own butts. I didn't know that.
1: I still don't. Okay.
0: I think I just kind of stored a news story improperly.
1: Sure. Okay. Oh, speaking of which,
0: apparently the T Rex. It's not that anyone ever disagreed and thought that T Rex was a vegetarian. Okay, it's that the T Rex had a cousin, T Rexy, because
1: <laughs> someone wrote us about this. She appears to
0: have been a vegetarian. I yes, was, and then I went. And I was going to give you stories. a good
1: opportunity to talk about the T Rex later, but that's good. Let's uh, clear this out up front.
0: Yeah, BF Skinner seems okay. <laughs> oh,
1: that was another one. Yeah. <laughs> that's right let's clear all the air yeah we owe you all an updates and corrections episode it's been a while yeah we got some anyways yeah walking in i also saw right outside the gift shop this very nice kind of statue of an elephant
0: oh that's a sad elephant
1: made from oh how can you tell Oh, because it's oh, in a little just, pen that barely opens. Yeah, holds it? and
0: she's, you know, she looks like she's in a siren call, like, Where's my baby?
1: No, all right. Well, you, you had a very dark view on that. I'm, yeah. No, I don't like it's it like as much. It's like a Rorschach. Much. Well, it's made from reclaimed metal, and we'll learn later on that they sell these sculptures for, I don't know, thousands of dollars. But oh, they're wow. Made from recycled metal. Thought that was kind of cool. cool. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, so I go into the gift shop. I already mentioned to you that I had found Noah's Cubit in there. I was quite taken yes. with that. So this gift shop is quite massive. It, has like multiple sections, and I don't know, it goes like not quite half the length of the arc, but a significant percentage. Like mm. it goes deep under, and then kind of as you're coming in from that side to the right, there's a ramp that leads up into the arc, or you know, people come down from the arc and exit through the gift shop. By the way, I should mention because we were talking about whether the gift shop is on the arc, there is a second gift shop up on the second level. Okay, so don't worry if you needed to buy stuff, there's additional merchandise.
0: Is it pretty much just a duplicate?
1: No, I will say, like, because I was mentioning earlier in the uh, Answer Center that they have a lot of the same stuff, this had more individual merchandise. I don't know. I was in, at least in this lower gift shop, I was in Seventh Heaven. I was, like, so excited. There's so much cool stuff. Seventh
0: Heaven. There's
1: puzzles. I almost bought a puzzle because I know my dad and stepmom solve 500-piece puzzles, Mm. 1,000-piece puzzles. So I wanted to buy the one that was a big, lovely picture of the Ark lit up in the kind of golden hour. But then I thought, where would I put this? I don't have room for this. So I did not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Lots of bookmarks. Look at all this stuff, Carrie. Wow. I- I'm showing Carrie a picture.
0: Is everything available on DVD and VHS? Oh, that's a good
1: question. Mm. I feel like I'm looking at something that might even be a VHS tape, yeah.
0: Yeah, I feel like the person who goes to this... Might I mean, still
1: have a working VHS Yeah, player.
0: as do I, so whatever. As do
1: I. Yeah. Then again, I had a working Betamax machine until about five years ago. <sighs> Oh, cool. They also have scale models of the Ark. So I bought one for Carrie, and I have the one that I got. There were two oh, different scales. Oh, yeah.
0: Yours is big.
1: Yeah. I wasn't sure how much Ark you wanted to take up your space.
0: It's perfect, because mine goes on my shelf of doodads.
1: Okay. They had like bracelets with mm-hmm. like your name written on them next mm-hmm. to Ark Encounter. You know, it looks kind of fancy. So I go looking at all the different names they have. You know, like you used to always look at those little license plate oh, yeah, things absolutely. that you can buy. So you and go over like, to, oh my
0: God, the feeling of it being personalized for me. Here
1: we go. Okay, Richard, Riley, oh, Robert, yeah. Ryan. Oh, no, Ross. Oh, that must okay. have
0: always happened to you. Of
1: course. And then when you do see Ross, you get very excited. Like, sure. whoa, well, we got to buy we this. We have to get this. But then I thought, well, they'll definitely have Caleb, Cameron, Uh, Carlos, uh, Caroline, uh, Charles. That's how it
0: often is. Caroline always makes it.
1: So I didn't get any of those.
0: I always have to get Drew and Drew if I'm going to get him that. There's Mm, never mm -hmm. just Drew.
1: Yeah, it's easy, at least with my son. There's always one for him. Mm -hmm. But my wife, uh, wife, not so much. Mm -hmm. They had a whole ice cream shop down there. And like various dessert items. <laughs> so this was served by Kezia's ice cream. Okay. That's the invented name of the wife of ham.
0: Oh, right. Okay.
1: So she makes ice cream apparently. And you can also buy these like
0: make ham, these, okay. like
1: fudge loaves. I don't know, like these huh. little like logs of fudge. Oh
0: and yeah, yeah, yeah. Peanut butter. And they, uh-huh, those little squares of or, or half moons of fudge you get at yeah. a theme park or so they something. They had those and
1: they had ice cream, but I got really excited when I saw this cup. Check out this cup, Carrie. Here we go. So
0: everything fits. It says.
1: And I bought it because I figured, well, it'll fit in my luggage.
0: <laughs> Fifty-one feet. Oh, this is neat.
1: Yeah, it's got all these stats that they've worked out of kind of how much water they needed on the Ark for the people and how many storage vessels they had and how many animals were on the Ark and how many people it took to do this or that. They've worked all of this out in their model of the Ark. Wow,
0: 308 bird cages, 415 amphibian cages, and 293 medium cages.
1: 0% of fully aquatic creatures included. So no Mm -hmm. sharks on the Ark. 0.5
0: 0.5 person shoveling waste from pit to pump.
1: So half of a person?
0: Half a person? I guess Wait, what one
1: person, but not full time.
0: Okay. Well, yeah, sure, they got to poop. Eight oh, person... but there's a full person watering. They're doing that the whole time. Okay,
1: eight person daily labor division. Yeah, these people had to be busy, right?
0: What's happening with this half a person?
1: One person dealing with human food. Uh, Carrie's really worried it's about this
0: It's not like a per something, so it doesn't, I don't. 8 people. They
1: showed the Ark compared to the Titanic, and the Ark's a little over half the length of the Titanic, which is 862 feet, as opposed to the 510 feet of what they've built. But it's still taller than the Statue of Liberty.
0: But what's this? I'm really trying to grok this. So it's not like a per capita thing. So what do they mean 0.5 people?
1: My immediate assumption is it just took like half of a person's time. It could have been...
0: Oh, like okay, daily labor division. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I see.
1: So Japheth, you spend a quarter of your day mucking the, uh, the cages and then it. Kezia, you get to do it the next two hours.
0: Got it. Okay. Thank all you. Right.
1: Anyway, so yeah, lots of useful takeaway arc facts all on one cup. Had to have it. They had T-shirts. I almost bought this T-shirt.
0: Well, the inside's cool, too. Sorry, your cup's pretty exciting.
1: Yeah, no, it, it is cool. There's a picture on the inside. Okay, so yeah, this shirt says, God planned it. Noah built it. I believe it Whoa. and so then if you read the the big bolded words it just says god built it and then uh, Ark encounter almost bought that that's a good shirt look how big this place is. so i'm showing carrie there's multiple aisles there's a fair amount of people yeah. milling about you can buy hats you this can part buy...
0: looks like Adventureland land at disneyland
1: yeah yeah you can buy plush animals you can buy jams and preserves
0: cool ceiling
1: yeah so yeah running along the ceiling there's what kind of looks like bamboo, but I think it's just a stripped wood that would make like really good walking sticks if you could pull them mm-hmm. down from the roof, but they're laid not completely covering. It's not like a solid surface, but they're just sort of providing an overlay where you would normally have drop tile ceilings. Instead, you have like wood branches. I'm all yeah, it for it. Yeah, cool. Yeah. I thought this was fun. They were selling masks, but they were just kind of decorative masks for kids to make themselves into giraffes mm, or I'm surprised they were leopards. selling masks. Yeah, though it does say- not for medical use.
0: Ah, okay.
1: So it's just for the kids huh. to be like, "I'm this animal."
0: Okay, I mean that's clearly a COVID mask.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm sure they, they bought just it knew for like, COVID. Yeah,
0: we can't, but we can't act like
1: it is. Just interesting. This says not for medical use. Then again, yeah. a lot of the cloth masks. Yeah, I think it's
0: just really thin.
1: Okay, but then I found. The cup that I got. Mm-hmm. So they had a variety of designs that you could get of these refillable free drink cups. Mm-hmm. And oh, I was so torn over this, Carrie, because I liked a lot of the designs. There were different options. Mm-hmm. And I was going to be carrying this around with me everywhere for the next three days. So uh, I got this one that just featured the arc itself in its bright, shiny, still kind of pinkish wood with the arc Encounter logo and a big, beautiful rainbow coming out uh, the top of the the arc That became my cup. So for a mere $19.99 mm. plus tax, this was mine.
0: Hey, this is your cup. Okay. Yeah.
1: And then I could go and my cup, Raneth over
0: did it did you fill it too high
1: no they filled it the correct amount mm. and you had to have them fill it your for cuppeth,
0: you keep it in
1: oh actually there is a drink dispenser on the arc where you can just soda fountain it but usually nice. you'd hand it to one of the people but any of the restaurants they'll uh fill up your cup cool it's pretty awesome
0: the la county fair does that and you can bring it back year after year so some people bring like their Whoa. 1995 cup and they're like that's right
1: very cool yeah. It's cute. OG. Now you can see why I had a hard time because there's another one that shows like the ark floating on top of the massive waters, and then you can see deep beneath it the waters and you know like a plesiosaur swimming around in the flood waters. Cool. Yeah, great design. And then they had one with the six days of creation. I wanted that one too.
0: Yeah, that's cool. This
1: was very difficult for very me. Very shimmery. You could also buy all of these kind of handmade goods. And it was interesting. They had the sign about how they got these as uh, fair trade items. Cool. Yeah. So I was like, "Oh, that's nice." And then they had these, like the elephant that we saw out front. They had these recycled oil drum sculptures, mm. three thousand five hundred bucks. Oof. Yeah. But, you know, I'm all for recycling stuff. So sure. A giraffe if you're already sculpture.
0: getting a sculpture, why not that one?
1: Yeah. <laughs> right. So uh, there we go. That was my uh, tour through the gift shop. I was quite taken with it.
0: Nice. Clap, 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 clap. And how many things did you take with it?
1: I mean, at least the one, two, three, four... Thinking of things I got as gifts for people five. I bought at least six things okay. but, from that shop. Modest. But it's a well-stocked shop. And then I go to get my drink filled at the smokehouse grill across mm-hmm. from the ark. And they've got a different design for the cup that that has all the people that lived on the Ark with their little- Is that
0: what you would have wanted? Names and
1: designs. It's like, well, I want that too. (laughs) And the guy said, well, you can buy all of them.
0: (laughs) We're not going to stop you. It's like, well,
1: sure. (laughs) But, you know, I've already put my money down. So he he let me take pictures of it at least. But then I could see all the names that they'd given the different wives. So we've talked about Mzara being Noah's wife. And they gave- Shem's wife the name Ariel but spelled A-R apostrophe Y-E-L and like they've given them all not only these designs but also sort of hobbies slash skills so Ariel is for example the cook storyteller and into animal care
0: yeah oh Okay, so everything you need to do on the Ark? Feed the people and take care of the animals?
1: This becomes like a... <laughs>
0: what are the other people doing? They
1: kind of make a theological point about this. Okay, so Mzar is the artist, the organizer, and animal expert. ham is an engineer, a blacksmith, and the maintenance.
0: A blacksmith, thank goodness, so we can walk around this ship?
1: Yeah, well, we might need some metal Mm. Components as well That'll come up So I still had time to kill Before my Secrets of the Ark tour Okay Which I was really excited about That was that one extra ticket I got From Miss Vivian Because I did not yell at her
0: Thank you for not yelling at her
1: So in my extra time I did go around I visited like some of the animals I did start to explore the Ark And like got up to the first floor and, And saw quite a bit But I'm gonna shoot forward To my Secrets of the Ark tour Because A This was one of the most fun things I did on this trip. And I think it'll be kind of a good overview of the layout of the Ark. And then we can go back later into some more details of these exhibits. But the idea was that you get this tour showing you some, well, secrets of the Ark, some extra inside info. And not only were we being taken through the Ark, but we were going to be taken through by Tim Chafee.
0: Ooh, he sounds nice.
1: He is nice. He is the content manager of the attractions division at Answers in Genesis.
0: Content manager of the what?
1: Attractions division. Attractions division. So that means, as he told us, he is responsible for the signage at both the Ark Encounter, but also the Creation Museum.
0: Okay. So The information.
1: Yeah. So there are hundreds of signs. Yeah. Yeah. And they have to go through a lot of approval, a lot of scrutiny, and obviously they have to represent answers in Genesis. So yeah, kind of a big deal. He's going to lead me on the tour of the Ark.
0: Cool. You know, my ex-boyfriend, Craig, who you knew? Yeah. Yeah. He designed themed environments and Mm. one of the things he would have to do is research those signs.
1: Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So
0: I know a lot of work goes into them.
1: Absolutely. So one of the first things that you notice about Tim Chafee is that he is an incredibly tall individual.
0: Okay, let's see. He's pulling up a picture. Oh, yeah. Yep, you're right.
1: So we were all gathering out front of the boat, oops, ship, uh, (laughs) in front of the gift shop, so it's the same way I'd gone in before, and gathering our crew together. I think they were allowed to take in like 25 people in this tour, and thankfully a ticket had opened up, so I got to be in the group. For a while they were trying to figure out some issue with they'd given us all these headphones that we could pop in to hear him better. Oh,
0: nice. Yeah, That's
1: over cool. the sound of the because the arc is pretty loud.
0: Oh, interesting. There's
1: a lot of music going on.
0: Oh, sure. And
1: and just atmospheric sounds or like soundtracks that they've added for each individual area. So sometimes it does get hard to hear or there's other people milling about.
0: Yeah, there must be some hazards of just building an arc on land where you know oh sure you would build it this way to be on water mm-hmm. but now it is not useful here and working against us
1: oh yeah fair point so for the purpose of this tour they gave us all these receivers that we could hang around our ears at volume control but they were missing some piece for him to broadcast so we were kind of waiting for someone to go grab all of those things but in the meantime we got to do a little bit of chit chat and so he told us who he was uh, he was wearing a Green shirt and kind of khaki slacks.
0: Nice, cool. Looks like someone who works at Target, but like <laughs> green shirt instead of red.
1: That's right. Yeah, that kind of shirt. So we're already gathered around. So I said, hey, you're a tall guy. What's your cubit length? <laughs> and... Oh, he definitely worked this out. So it turns out he's- Oh,
0: he had worked it out. Wow. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well,
1: his head is deep within the world of the arc and creating the arc and all the answers around the arc. Really, he is like the ideal person. I would say- Answers in Tim. Yeah. I would say if I had to choose between him and Ken Ham as like Mm -hmm. who would be most knowledgeable about the exhibits, Uh, I would expect him to actually know more. Yes, yes. I was like, yeah, I was over the moon already. Like, oh, I couldn't ask for a better person.
0: Uh Aha. Does he know that he's that person, do you think?
1: Oh, I think so. Yeah? yeah. Okay. I mean, he would very often reference all the other super talented people he works with and make multiple references to. I'm not an artist. I can barely draw a stick figure. Sure. But he owns that he's done a ton of research on this mm-hmm. and written multiple books on it. Anyway, oh, cool. Yeah, okay. I was thrilled. He's like the best docent I could have asked for. So he's six foot nine. Wow. That's how tall he that's is. tall. So he's.
0: 69. <laughs> six foot nine. <laughs> yes, that's right. Six foot nine. 81 inches.
1: So he said his cubit is 22 inches, which he said would make an almost 600 foot arc. And I did the math. It would be 550 feet. But they said if they made his a royal cubit where you add like, I think the additional length of the, just the fingers, that would make it 25 inches, and then you'd have a 625-foot arc. Mm. So, again, this is just reinforcing what we talked about earlier, where depending on whose cubit you're talking about, you could have yeah. an arc that's 430 feet, or you could have one that's 625 feet. That's like a 200-foot difference. Yeah. So, you know, cubits, important. You
0: must find an average man.
1: But he said if we had done that, again, he's thought about this a lot. If we'd made it that long, we would sacrifice a lot of structure. For this wooden structure, it'd be more likely to kind of rip in half in the middle mm. then and again, if God had told them that's how long it was, they would have just said like, "Well, God helped preserve it or taught Noah the right methods to build it." So I, I don't see that as a deal breaker.
0: Maybe Noah was chosen by God because he had like the perfect median length of elbow.
1: <laughs> like, sure, you're an upstanding dude, but really, I'm looking at that <laughs> length looking of the elbow. At that
0: length, ooh. Ooh, it's cool. I love that Ooh, lane.
1: I'm, I made you no good. No
0: you are chosen.
1: <laughs> so he was already saying, if I were to give you a full tour of the Ark, that would be at least four hours. So we've only got 55 minutes here. So you're going to see stuff that you're going to want to come back and look at more carefully, but we're going to try to keep up a good pace so we can get through the- Oh, he's
0: already seeing through your head.
1: Yep. So we're going to go through the three floors of the Ark, and I'm going to let you in on a secret. I learned the final day of my Whoa. visit to the Ark. okay. There are actually four- four levels to the Ark.
0: Instead of, they had told three. you three? And the, oh. the
1: Bible says three. Okay. So you have kind of your gift shop level, but that's mostly underneath the Ark, so fine, whatever. Okay. But then you get up to the first floor, there's the second floor, the third floor, and then... <gasps> I noticed there's like kind of rafters up top. Like, what's that? What's and, up there? And a the guy that I'd made friends with who worked there, he's like, "Oh, there's actually a fourth level, and we just use it for storage." Whoa. Yeah. So, were see, you
0: tempted to try to get up there?
1: Uh, the elevator okay. did not go up there <laughs> unless you had like. Oh
0: my god, that <laughs> would be driving me crazy the entire rest of like, the trip. Like
1: special access, and there's yeah, no like I, other stair it, access like, the, that the I saw. Book elevator. It had to be behind like staff entrances or something. Yeah, so yeah. yeah, there was no civilian way to Jump get up. Jump the in the a laundry
0: cart. Or something. But
1: overall, my impression was, like, it seems like this arc is taller than it needs to be.
0: Oh, right. Because,
1: you know, these were oh my God. fairly tall You'd floors. get up
0: there and you'd see, like, crazy sex parties and, like, a devil-worshipping person chained to the wall.
1: Well, not yeah. what I was picturing, but... Yeah,
0: that's what would happen.
1: Okay. There will be things not too far removed from that on the Ark. Okay. All right. Just let your imagination fly and we'll contextualize it. it. (laughs) One lady already got excited seeing him and said, like, I've seen you on Answers TV and Answers in Genesis. So already a fan.
0: (laughs) Good, 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 good.
1: Familiar with his work. Good, good, good. Okay. So we go into the gift shop, walk up the ramp, and they have nice gradual ramps everywhere. So it seems fairly accessible. Yeah. uh, Good. But that was one of the first things he pointed out to us that this isn't the arc. We're not saying like yeah. this is an exact replica or the actual arc. He that said, would be
0: so great if they claimed that. I wish they did.
1: Apparently some people get confused and come on there and like, so this is the arc? It's amazing. <laughs> you know, oh
0: my God.
1: People, people say <laughs> the darndest things.
0: Oh, that's amazing. I'm trying to remember if I ever thought something like that, like as a child or something. It strikes me as like, you know, the child who goes to Santa at the mall and is like, this is Santa,
1: right? I could kind of see that for a kid who's, you know, like six and yeah. maybe just missed a few sentences of context. And then right, like exactly. now we're on the arc like, oh, wow, we're, it's real. OK, here it is. We're on it. So right there on the first level, as we kind of came up, well, the wrong way, there's a sign that says Noah's Ark and Ark Encounter. What's the difference? Well, Noah's Ark is designed to protect human and animal passengers during... The worldwide flood, whereas the Ark Encounter is a building that looks like a ship, optimized for guest safety and educational experience. So he's pointing out like we've used one third of the floor space just for these ramps that mm-hmm. go up and down. Noah wouldn't have had that.
0: Sure. Okay, no Especially since he was like, Nobody gets on here.
1: hmm hmm mm-hmm. On Noah's Ark. Living in workspace for eight people and thousands of animals, whereas on the Ark Encounter you have space and facilities for thousands of guests. Okay, they're just trying to set expectations here. Uh, on the <laughs> you arc, will
0: not see giraffes.
1: You know, you need to have nearly seven thousand animals. Again, we're given numbers here okay. on the actual Ark, but on the Ark Encounter you're only going to get a fraction of the enclosures constructed and animals sculpted just to give you an idea of kind of the placement and packing of them
0: density yeah, yeah
1: but they wouldn't uh, fill up the entire space with that
0: and now are there going to be real animals
1: not real animals on the ark okay but some very Good. nice sculptures okay and then they mentioned you know there's probably going to be few lighted areas and frequent use of portable light on the actual ark but we have plenty of light on this arc encounter that we've made. And it was all lighted with kind of a warm glow. It's all this wood construction. So it was quite lovely. And it reminded me a bit of the old mini golf course in Santa Cruz that was pirate themed. It was a Ah, similar kind of warm lighting, lots of wood structures. I'm showing Carrie a picture here. Oh, And so there's all these not chandeliers, but sort of these metal structures, sconces that are holding like a bunch of fake lights that kind of emit light that looks like candlelight or Yeah, e-
0: yeah. That really rich yellow light. Mm-hmm. I love that light. My mom used that in my home growing up. She would just use those really ah, yellow lights. Nice. Yeah.
1: So most of the arc was that. And yeah, it was very Uh, kind of welcoming and I'll show you like a view of one of the longer hallways
0: okay yeah oh neat good photos
1: thanks yeah quite beautiful and when you get towards the center you could sort of see up through the multiple levels and see some of the other floors and yeah made for some very dramatic photos
0: yeah that looks kind of like Universal Studios Harry Potter World Mm
1: -hmm. I can see that also they've got lots of different like as you move from exhibit to exhibit there's a lot of different specialized musical tracks or sometimes it's like videos being played so quite active oral environment so there was this clearly this composed piece that they would play over and over just sort of on loop where if you're just going through the arc once hey this is very nice and to me it reminded me of the howard shore score for lord of the rings like especially the scenes where they have elves like they're at rivendell or something so I pictured them asking their composer, like, hey, can you do something that feels like this? Can oh, okay. It, match- it feels
0: that, that inspired.
1: Yeah. Like, hey, match this, essentially. Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. yeah, it sounded very professional and uh, whimsical, magical, and pleasant. But I just imagine if you had to work on there all day, like with any repeated noise, would just be like, oh, this thing. Man.
0: So you think it was all specially made for them?
1: Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. They didn't just, like, buy it off of a licensing site or something like that Uh, so we stopped at deck one for a while and he talked about some of those differences between the actual arc and the arc encounter he reminds us to take a look up just because a lot of times people are so busy getting to the next thing or Mm. seeing all these other sites that are around them and all the signs that they don't just stop to like see the scale of it and that kind of cool view looking at the ceiling so we all did that then they have this huge display of the ark at 148th scale. So on the ark, there is another ark. Uh huh. And here's what it looks like it's
0: like nesting dolls.
1: <laughs> That's right. And on that ark is a little <laughs> ark. But this was kind of answering that question of what do we think the actual Noah's ark looked like?
0: Oh, this looks like a prison.
1: Okay. Well, it's like the same exterior design, but sort of like you've probably seen cross-section renderings of the Titanic. Now you see into all the little compartments, they've sort of chopped it in half lengthwise so you can see...
0: Eh, It's growing on me. Now it looks like a train.
1: You can see all the little compartments and even at that scale, that's still like 10 and a half feet long. So this is a big model and they've got all these little 3D printed cages and cisterns And all of the features that they've kind of calculated that Noah would have needed to hold the actual amount of animals. So even though you're not standing on an exact replica of the Ark, you can kind of look at this model of what they think is their best guess at what the actual Ark could have looked like
0: sorry my brain's just doing that sort of like forcing me to take a step back thing Mm -hmm. why is any of this important like why do they care this much about noah's ark of all the bible stories
1: oh okay that's maybe two steps back yeah because one is that well it's in the bible and uh, they want to take the skeletal information that was given and find something consistent but reasonable and I think for them, it's important to show that this is real and we're going to demonstrate that it's a real story by working out all the details of its reality to kind of spite the skeptics who have sort of laughed at this story Mm,
0: for so so long. Yeah, okay. So yeah, maybe it's a reaction. Yeah. and Sort of a defensive reaction, which is not to say that that's... I don't mean that as a criticism. I'm just sort of trying to picture where their head is at.
1: Also, I think they see it as... a a good tie-in to the salvation story, which is Mm. the most important thing is to win souls for Jesus. That is the ultimate goal here. And for Ken Ham and his ministry, it's looking back to Genesis 1 to 11 rather than looking forward to, say, Revelation.
0: Right. Okay. Okay. That's interesting. It's hard for me to get to that place. I'm a Christian and which I've been before. And, and
1: you feel the need to. And yeah,
0: and feel like, oh, the Noah's Ark, that's the thing. I got to go to Kentucky and I got to make an exact replica of this one story from the one book from the Bible. It just feels so like random okay. to me. Okay, okay. I feel yeah. like
1: Christian me would have been all on board. Really? This, uh, okay. Project. Yeah, yeah.
0: Okay. So
1: uh, yeah, huh. I'm not similarly stumped. Um,
0: okay, interesting.
1: But yeah, they've got all these signs that talk about, you know, all about cubits and how large was the Ark? You know, what cubit did we use? So they're answering all of these questions. Was it shaped like a box? And they start to talk about those details that we've talked a bit about. They talk about like the word teva, which was the word used for ark, And what does it mean? Doesn't tell us that it necessarily was a box. So we can be a little bit inventive. They also have like a little sample cubit, the 20.4 inch cubit that they use. So you can put your arm alongside it and see how you measure up. Fun. They've got, this is like a real... Important business display I'm showing Carrie right now. It's got 1,398 animal kinds and 6,744 animals total. So this is another one of those major criticisms that people have lobbed at the Ark, which is, Come on, all the animals, really? Mm, Yeah. So they've gone through. I have that
0: criticism myself.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So I asked Tim about this. I said, okay. my
0: shit friend Carrie is skeptical of all this.
1: No, I didn't need to offload that on you. (laughs) But I said, it sounds like you're mentioning on the signage here a lot of Latin names. Where did you find that? Did you have a list that you were working from of all the different kinds and he yeah. said we assembled like a group of experts and when we were talking about snakes, mm. we'd reach out to herpetologists and yeah <laughs> okay. we we tried to be inclusive of all of the you know types of animals that exist now or that we know that lived in the past. No, so we, and- we
0: found, A zoologist willing to adopt our point of view to talk to us. Sure, yeah. Yeah.
1: That's a good point. I'm trying to think of like someone who's more trained in evolution who is willing to at least answer their questions about species diversity. Yeah, maybe. But anyways, they feel they did a very thorough job of representing all of the kinds and, of course, lumping many of them together so it's enough to say, like, okay, well, we found a common ancestor to these things where there's an acceptable amount of evolution. Mm. As the signage says, 1,398 animal kinds that they've worked out. And this was just a purely internal effort for Answers in Genesis. Wow. Yeah. It
0: feels a little mm, Precise. puffed up. Yeah, <laughs> No, just like, the, we're the, the ones who figured it out. I don't know. It's a, it's a bold claim.
1: The, this would happen a lot where they would kind of compare sort of the work done by them or creationists in general with that done by evolutionists. And oh wow! And I would always just think how flattening that was, like, to any kids in the audience or anyone who doesn't yeah. kind of understand the scientific enterprise. Like, you're talking about a weird little band of misfits versus hundreds of thousands of scientists yeah. that are actually interested in the real answers and, like, how this stuff works. Yeah. Whereas you're interested in finding a way for your story to be acceptable. It's apologetics versus actual search for
2: truth.
0: If I can pause you for a second and tell you about where I was. So, you know, I'm on my honeymoon at Uh the Philippines Islands and I went to the Charles Darwin Research Foundation Center while I was there, which was wonderful. It was Mm. so cool. Yeah. But in preparing for these episodes, I went and looked at their website and I was like, oh, maybe we'll have someone on to talk about what they do. And then I went and looked at their programming and I was like, oh, right, it's like how to move algae from this kind of ecosystem to this (laughs) kind of ecosystem. The like boring shit that science actually has to do for me to keep things running. They don't have the time to sit down with me and be like, yes, here's why you can't get all the animals on a boat.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, but these people have the time, the designers, the will, lots of money coming their way from donations where they can, yeah, focus on creating this great little front that they show to everybody. But yeah, just like when they would say little things like that, I'd be like, oh, you're trying to make it sound like there's equal footing here. Right, right. Uh, But they'd worked out this list. And fun fact from Tim, he said that originally it was 1,399 animal kinds. Mm. But he said one guest on the ARC noticed that there was a duplication. The same animal oh, wow. appeared twice on the list. And so they updated okay. it, removed Good for it. Them. Good for and you said, yeah, some people have special kind of minds. That kind of stuff jumps out to them. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, that's kind of cool. And then they have all of those same facts that fit on my cup, where they have all of these little takeaways about how many cages you needed, and how many people. So that's what all of this little section was trying to establish, which is it's all very real. We've worked it out how it could have actually functioned. So if you came away from the arc thinking like, oh, but this doesn't quite scale. At least they've given you all of the details they've worked out. And again, we talked about the number of kinds. They feel that you could have gotten away with 6,744 individual animals brought onto the ark and still preserved all of the genetic biodiversity. They seem very sanguine about the ability of a genome in two individual animals, at least for the unclean ones, to hold all of the information you're going to need for future generations and speciation. I think that is a little unrealistic, but...
0: I think it's perfect. Okay. I think they got it exactly right. Okay, so, and if there's... I mean, animals had to die on the boat. Some animals had to die.
1: Some had to die. Some were maybe sacrificed.
0: Oh my God, really?
1: That comes up. So God demands sacrifices, or at least he really loves the smell of burnt animals. Yes. We learn that in the Bible. So one of the thoughts is- gross. The reason why Noah was told to bring seven- of the clean animals. And okay, I was going to get into this later, but we'll talk a little bit about it now. It's always been a little confusing how many of the clean animals were supposed to be brought on board.
0: Okay. clean in this context means like don't have cloven hooves or whatever.
1: Yeah. Well, we haven't spelled out the Levitical laws. All that will come much later. Okay, But apparently at the time of the flood, there still existed some early proto version of Kashrut, you know, like the laws of clean and unclean animals. Yeah, okay. Uh, So I don't know how worked out it was then, but uh, Noah at least knew enough to know that certain types of animals, and I think all the birds, they were supposed to bring seven of, except the original text says seven seven. Oh. like repeats the word and so people have always wondered okay well then are we talking about seven animals or seven pairs fourteen animals You're
0: 49. or forty nine or forty
1: nine right yeah. which theoretically it could also mean but no one really like argues for that that's all to point out that when they were, Designing this, they tried to usually look for the worst case scenario like, well, let's assume that means 14 of the clean animals. Let's assume we needed more rather than less sure. just to make this arc all the more convincing. It can handle the quote unquote worst case scenario. Mm-hmm. Speaking of this model arc that's inside the arc, the 10.6 foot one that we're looking at, Tim mentioned that all of these pieces are 3D printed or modeled and copied But one time he was like hanging up a sign or working on something and he asked this guy to come over and help him. And the guy said, Oh, okay, I will. Just know this will be the first time in six months I've done anything other than working on this model of the art. Oh,
0: wow. Yeah.
1: So one guy kind of devoted six months of his life to working on this thing.
0: Okay, okay. I think I'm finally getting my head around this. So it's like a they said it couldn't be done, but we did it. Yeah. That's the impulse. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay. I don't know why that took me so long. Now I can see that. Take that,
1: skeptics. Here it is. Thing
0: going on now. Okay.
1: Like with his kinds thing, he said that outright. Like, you know, we think we've included every kind of animal, and we've had millions of people through here. And so far, nobody's been able to point to like an animal that we can't explain. Right. Okay. And again, they're not including aquatic animals. So I think this verse is very key to this calculation. In Genesis 7, starting in verse 21, it says, Every living thing that moved on land perished, birds, livestock, wild animals, all the creatures that swarm over the earth, and all mankind. Everything on dry land that had the breath of life in its nostrils died. Everything on the face of the earth was wiped out, people and animals and the creatures that move along the ground, and the birds were wiped from the earth. (laughs) only Noah was left and those with him in the ark.
0: I really feel like the person who wrote that was like, let me clarify. Everyone keeps asking me, really everything died? Yes, everything. Here's a list. And
1: yet, they didn't bring any fish on the ark? Any aquatic mammals, whales, dolphins, all of yeah, that is what's excluded. There? They I don't think they tried to bring on insects. And so they're trying to make the argument that a lot of these things could survive the flood or as eggs would rehatch. Mm. Yeah, it's, I think, a little tenuous, especially with the stated destruction I just read there. Yeah. That's kind of like a major point for how they make this a little more credible is by excluding certain types of animals that they didn't need to put on the ark.
0: Yeah, I wonder, this is a good oceanography question. I really wonder how a massive flood like that would affect the water faring animals.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Like these would be fast-moving, high-pressure waters. Like, not every type of animal can live in that situation. Yeah, I mean,
0: let's say you're a saltwater animal and, like, it's all... Freshwater, or vice versa, yeah. or it's like got too much of one kind of chemical in it, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. what if you're
1: some little fish uh, living in a in a cave? Yeah, or something like, Oh, I missed the boat. No, no, we're flooded.
0: Yeah, yeah I feel like because my initial thought was more like, Yeah, whatever, they're fish, so there's just more water. But then uh-huh. when you think about it for a second, you're like, Oh, but all the waters are still different environments.
1: Yeah, and we always see these depictions of the animals just arriving at the ark like, hey, I'm here. God told me <laughs> right. to come. You know, that's just as miraculous an event. Yeah, oh, you know, good
0: point. It's like the cats. beginning of The Lion King. Totally. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. right. Uh, oh, right. And we
1: always just take that as a given. Oh my
0: God, but right. The, the little Who blind, cares that blind he talked to Noah? Could,
1: couldn't do that. Yeah. <laughs> right. He Talk to all the animals and give it to them to go on a boat. Yeah, and like whenever you see like a movie about this, you just see like these birds looking at you're like, squawk. squack, I guess yeah. we gotta go. <laughs> just two of us.
0: <laughs> oh my god, that's right. Or I that guess, needs explaining. I guess
1: seven of us or seven pairs. Oh, just 14 of us. Though. I rarely see that in the movies. Yeah, gotta simplify. Anyways, it's kind of crazy. And I'm sure if you pointed to one of those things, they would say, Well, that's fine. Noah, I'm sure, had a separate container for that type of animal. And, you know, God planned it out. Mm -hmm, That's mm -hmm. the the basic lesson here.
0: It's always interesting to me when people formulate an argument not around here are the central facts and I'm proving to you that the central facts happened so much as I have internalize the criticism around what I'm trying to tell oh. you and I am defending myself against the criticism alone.
1: That definitely plays a huge element here. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's always really interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. it's on
1: full display the <laughs> Ark encounter. So they talk a little bit about the the way they've laid this out that like the model again is not the same as the ship that it's inside of. For example, like they said, certain types of animals we thought would be better at this part of the arc because it would be more stable and they wouldn't feel as much rocking. Like they've thought about even that sort of thing, like how comfortable of a journey is it for the inhabitants? And what do we put here and what do we put there? And, you know, again, as much thought as you could possibly put into this, they have put into it. So he said, yeah, so on the arc, as you're looking around, you'll see this on floor two, but we think it would have actually been best on floor three, Mm. stuff like that. But here's their basic layout. So the first floor is all about an introduction to the animal kinds. So when you first walk in the right way, you learn about that concept. You see the cages and kind of how they would be spaced and how it would feel like to walk around as the animal keeper. All about working smarter, not harder. And letting gravity do a lot of the work of like cleaning the cages and running water to Mm -hmm. the animals, stuff like that.
0: Do the work to that. mean like there's slats for their pee and poop to
1: fall yeah. through. Yeah, and they, again, put thought into that. Like, yeah. okay, so this type of animal poops this way, so it would run down here and mm. be collected yeah. in this jar, and so-and-so would empty it, you know, take I it out. to
0: think about that stuff when I worked at an animal sanctuary. Yeah. yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. And he told us, make sure when you come back to read the signs, because really, that's the best part of the Ark. Mm. Because I wrote
0: that. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, I just love the signage here. Oh, I'm so glad I came out here for all these signs.
1: I may have been a little off-top Topic here, but I asked a question. By the way, this became a joke that Ross asks a lot of questions. Okay, <laughs> so I said it. You know, I'm just going to keep asking questions until someone tells me not to. And he's like, "As long as everyone else gets a chance when they want to, that's fine." So I was definitely peppering him with questions the whole time. But I asked about the roof and if it had any kind of functional capability. Yeah. He said, Well yes, and we've worked out a few things that you would want to do. For example, you're in this mixed water, salt water, yeah, fresh okay. water, like you can't just like grab water from outside, but you still need water to function. So we think that in those 40 days and 40 nights of rain that they would have been collecting water in cisterns and you would have needed X number of inches per day. You know, it was like mm. two or three inches per day to fuel all of the activity we've calculated needed to happen on the ark. And hey, here in Kentucky, we already get like an average of 1.2 inches per day. So, you know, mm. we think they would have had plenty of rain coming down. So that was the one thing he offered there. There was a kid that asked what carnivores ate Okay, And Tim said, well, you said,
0: you fucking idiot.
1: (laughs) Tim said, well, remind me later, I'll point out a sign. But just to jump forward to that, the answer was essentially yeah, they were all created originally as herbivores eating plants. And he said, we're not sure exactly how long that transition took. Like Mm. it wasn't necessarily like right after the fall of man that animals started eating other animals. But he did have his own little pet theory and he made sure to like specify this isn't. Necessarily like the answers in Genesis answer. Sure. But I think Noah brought on some rabbits, some rats, some mice. They probably reproduced very quickly. And he had a number of, like, you know, over one year, you know, one pair of breeding rats could mm-hmm. produce like 94,000 mm-hmm. animals or something like that. And he said, so I think that they probably had enough of a growing population of rats, mice, and rabbits mm-hmm. that they could feed them to the carnivores. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there you go. That's how the kid got his question answered. He said he had even suggested that they put rabbits in front of the T-Rex stall, but they'd overruled that, the board that reviews. (laughs) So he...
0: This is a children's thing.
1: Tim clearly has a lot of license. He has many stories of things that are kind of his little grace notes, things that he came up with and did inside the arc, but also examples where occasionally he gets overruled. So he doesn't have complete arc blanche. (laughs) (laughs) So here's... a story that I didn't think quite made the point that he thought it did. He was saying that as he was pointing out all the joining above us, like all of these huge pieces of wood, like, you know, trees that have essentially been denuded and then cut and locked into each other. He was saying we had to order these massive trees and they were sent to this gigantic machine in Colorado, which was the only one in North America that could cut into these size Logs and do the kind of precision cutting that we needed based on our plans. And they had like a 132nd inch tolerance of like how accurate they had to be, like to within 132nd of an inch for these things to later join together. And he said, We got it back later. Everything fit perfectly. And I'm thinking, Okay, and Noah could do this?
0: Oh, right, right.
1: Yeah, this thing that requires, you know, cranes and stuff. Well,
0: he brought two cranes on the Ark.
1: (laughs) Nice, nice. That's funny. Someone later told a joke that reminds me a lot of that. Okay. Uh, Afterwards, I was waiting to talk to Tim after the tour was done, and this guy sidles up to him and says... So have you heard this one? Noah, after the flood came out and he took way too long to tell the story, but here's the fast (laughs) one. (laughs) He found two snakes who hadn't had any children yet. And he said, Hey, what gives snakes? You're supposed to be reproducing here. And the snake said, well, you told us to multiply, but we can't do that. We're adders.
0: Is that a, another word for snake?
1: Yeah, yeah. That's a type uh, of snake. Is an adder. Okay, okay, okay. No. Okay,
0: um, nice. Uh, fun. Fun if you know that's a type of snake.
1: Right, okay. <laughs> uh, Tim gave it a very kind of, oh, okay, yeah, yeah. that's, um, <laughs> I've heard many jokes. That I haven't heard that one before.
0: Yeah. <laughs> this hasn't really added anything to my experience, but I hadn't heard it before. I wouldn't
1: call it an adder. <laughs> so he'd made this point. And I, I thought, well, this is kind of against... The story of the Ark, that you could have this precision building. But one of the major points on the Ark is pointing out that people have always been just as smart as they are now and capable. And they could have done great feats then and built these amazing things and built large structures and scaffolding and figured out these clever solutions that we figured out because they were smart people just like us.
0: So that tells me like, oh, the only feature you think is necessary to build this kind of thing is human intelligence. No, it's also human collaboration over Mm. lots of time. Right, and... So you build on one another's accomplishments. I never
1: asked it, but my tongue-in-cheek question of anyone associated with the building of the Ark would be, oh, and who's the guy who made this? Who's the team of four who made this? Because... It wasn't a collaborative effort with all of the townspeople. Right. It was just Noah, the shipbuilder, yeah, and yeah. his son's helping him out, we presume.
0: God whispering, yeah.
1: That's going to take a long time because it sure took them a long time to build this ark with. All of the equipment Well
0: they weren't called by God In fact God was like This is embarrassing <laughs> I don't want this one to happen I liked the first arc I don't like arc two Then
1: again uh, He could have stopped them Like he did at Babel He could That's have confused true. their language
0: That's true Anyways I mean he kind of confused Ken Ham's language Ken Ham's saying weird stuff <laughs>
1: Fair enough So this led me to ask him I'm looking around And I'm seeing a lot of Metal studs That are holding this all together
0: So he was made of metal? <laughs>
1: uh, Uh, not that stud not the stud standing in front of me so I asked do we think that Noah had access to metal he said well we didn't get any indication of that in the text but we did as true it is mentioned in the Bible that Tubal Cain who's featured in that Noah film by Darren Aronofsky Mm. I think he's the stowaway on the ship anyways He was a master of metal, it said, metalworking. So at least we know it was in the world, so we've made one of the children an expert in metalworking. Okay. But it's not necessary. Even though we're using it here, they could have made it completely out of wood. We believe that this design would hold. So next we move to an exhibit on the pre-flood world. Um, Ooh,
0: the antediluvian world, Yeah, if you will.
1: But even more specific, like creation, I, I should specify, because obviously there were problems pre-flood, and that's why he had to destroy it. But this is a little section on the creation of the world. Okay. So... It shows, in the beginning, God created. And they've got these lovely artistic representations yeah, of cool. day one, day two. And yeah, there is legitimately great artwork in here. Yeah, They've worked with some talented artists. and
0: I like how they've got them in just these long, skinny rectangles, mm-hmm. Day one, days one through six. That's neat.
1: And Tim is always very quick to sing praises on his artists and even name them. But yeah, there are these lovely panels that show representations of what these days might have looked like. But then we learn about the first... Sacrifice after the fall in the garden. And so now death has entered the world, and you see Eve crying. The characters as painted are a little cartoonish, but yeah, nicely painted. We've got Adam and Eve in the garden. We've got these poor whatever animals. I can't really tell what they are being burnt.
0: Yeah, yuck. Okay. Such an overreaction.
1: So we start moving forward, and he's moving quickly through this exhibit. But we get to the problems with the world, like when things started going sour from God's perfect plan. Yeah, yeah. Now that we've gotten past the fall. Because of the fruit. Yeah, and so apparently we've got like roughly 1,500 years of history here as we start to like see the world expand and people become terrible. So they mentioned that there were giants in the land. So he shows us this painting of a giant and he tells us that that giant is modeled on him, that he posed for that picture. Oh wow. And they give him a big beard and everything, but that's, you know, that's Tim essentially.
0: That's his, uh, uh silhouette.
1: Wearing armor. And actually this is one of Tim Chafee's big areas of interest. So we talked a little bit about Tim, but he's a really interesting fellow and he has let's see here a masters in church history and theology cool that he got from liberty baptist theological seminary and his thesis was on the sons of god and the nephilim that's another word for giants in the bible mm. and many people hypothesize that that is a type of angel like or an angel human right. okay. hybrid okay that's so- why i heard that term He's put, again, as much thought as you could put into the arc, Tim Chafee has put into the subject of giants in the ancient world.
0: Oh, wow. See, boy, this is not the kind of stuff that my brain latches on yeah. to, so I have to
1: Well, and you have to think, with it. him as a six-foot-nine gentleman, that probably gives him a little affinity oh, for giants. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, good point. It's become sort of a specialty for him, and that'll come up a bit. But he also earned a Master's of Divinity, summa cum laude, he lets us know, in Apologetics and Theology, He also holds a Master of Arts and a Bachelor of Science in Biblical and Theological Studies. Hey! So a little bit more about Tim. He also regularly mentions some of the books that he's written for Answers in Genesis. But one interesting one is called The Remnant Trilogy. And there's three books, Noah, Man of Destiny, Noah, Man of Resolve, and Noah, Man of God. That's kind of a backstory of the arc. And it's fictional. Of course, he's fleshed out this whole story and given all these backstories. But it ties into the exhibits on the arc. So it talks about these characters and what they did. And like if you read those, you can see tie-ins with the costuming choices and various mm. other things they've depicted. So I'm kind of curious to read those now.
0: You told me, hey, I'm going to be talking about this one guy, here's his name, if you want to look up any of his videos. Yeah. And I went and just pulled one up and I didn't get to watch much of it. But my immediate vibe for him was like, oh, okay, this is like when I'm taking a class and for one day the librarian comes in and is like, okay, everybody, and here's how you use the school library. And you're going to log in here okay. and you're going to search for this here. He just has that like sort of very helpful IT guy, librarian yeah. energy. It's, yeah. It's it's just unusual for someone giving that many talks and stuff. It's kind of nice. It's yeah. like a humility, like, I'm not really trying to put on airs about this. I've just yeah. got some information to give you and that's it. And thank you so much for coming. And-
1: yeah, I would say that's totally consistent. Like, humble guy. He'll make little jokes that talk about how great his work is on the stuff, but it's very self-effacing, obviously, tongue-in-cheek. He'll be quick to give credit to others. Yeah, very, very nice guy. Really enjoyed spending time with him. So I think that was an accurate assessment. Oh, good. And I think he totally believes this. I I don't Mm -hmm. sense any sense of cynicism in him. Mm -hmm. So I had another clarifying question for him because we're starting to enter into the exhibit and all of a sudden the music starts getting darker and there are sounds of like people shouting and crying and children weeping like being worked into the mix because we're entering this area where we're seeing the immediately before the flood world where people are just evil and deserving of total destruction. Mm -hmm. So I asked him Okay, so explain this to me, because obviously you would point out that there is evil in the world now and many evil people, but apparently this pre-flood world was more evil. We've gone back to being bad, but not bad enough to justify total destruction. And he said, yeah, I don't think it's as bad now as it was before the flood. Genesis says that nobody had anything but evil in their heart. And I'm thinking, okay, but the children as well? Yeah, right? right. Like, yeah, this is a problem. And so he even...
0: All the animals besides a few thousand?
1: Right. He seems to acknowledge this. And the way he says it, I don't know, makes me shake my head a little bit. Because he was saying, yeah, well, as we were building this display they have these little tableaus that show all the horrible things people were doing back then. So we have like a giant slaying a woman. Yeah. And you you may notice again, this giant who's driving a spear toward a woman.
0: Yeah, like looks like he's going to kill her.
1: Yeah, but also have you seen a man that looks like this before?
0: Him? Yeah, it's Tim Chafee. So (laughs) multiple
1: times throughout this, he points out like, hey, that was modeled (laughs) on me. And, And I'm
0: the pillager.
1: And so he pointed out like, there's this really tough balance that we were trying to strike where we want to show that this world was absolutely evil, immoral. And we don't want our viewers to have any sympathy for these people.
0: And then also, we wanted to make a theme park.
1: We wanted to be a family friendly theme yeah. park. So, where do you draw the line? So, they said sometimes we would like do something and it would feel like we overstepped a little bit. So, we drop back. Oh but
0: man, I want to see those outtakes. I know. Like,
1: <laughs> he mentioned later that one time they had an artist and they asked him to represent like the exterior of the arc during the flood. And like he did a rendering. And they're like, no, no, this is like everybody kind of laughed it out of the Room. Like, this is too whimsical, too bright and happy. Okay. So, the next time the guy brings in like these floating <laughs> bodies in the water, and they're like, too dark, uh, too L- dark. Yeah. L- it, yeah, that guy. right back. <laughs> So he said they tried to do a lot of this with implication. So for example you see this model of Tim inside of this arena and it's kind of like the Roman arenas where they would have people killed and he's got a spear pointed at this woman and it's very clear he's about to like skewer her with the yeah. spear and she's there like pleading for her life while he's holding onto her hair. It's yeah very graphic and horrible but we don't see blood you know she's not actually being skewered.
0: So this is an event where God was so just that we could not depict it.
1: Mm-hmm. The focus here is that, yeah, the earth was just so wanton and horrible that we need to destroy this. So I thought this was great. In this arena, you have a dinosaur coming out of the walls to attack these humans yeah, in the center. Cool. And again, the implication that he's about to tear them to pieces and they're just given like knives to fight the dinosaur. So yeah, I'll take more pictures later that I'll show you. Wow. That that exhibit is wild. But I thought it was very telling that that was his answer, you know, that like we really need to demonstrate that these people are not worthy of your sympathy.
0: Yeah, wow. Well, speaking of vegetarianism. Yeah, how do you think Tim gets his food to him?
1: Probably goes to one of those f- restaurants around the arc. Same old, same old food every day, all the time.
0: Boring, boring, Tim. If you're listening to this, I have news for you. This episode is sponsored in part by HelloFresh. That's
1: right. Carrie is bearing good news.
0: Tim, listen. You can skip all those trips to the grocery store and to the little restaurants named after Bible characters and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit.
1: And if you want to be like Adam and Eve before the fall, HelloFresh is now offering vegan recipes on the menu every week. No death involved. Hey! Made without animal products of any kind like dairy, meat, eggs, or honey. Love that. Enjoy meals like sweet chili tofu bowls or spicy coconut curry stir fry.
0: I will. Yeah. Yeah. Have your pumpkin spice and eat it, too, with a rotating selection of fall-inspired items from HelloFresh Market, from brunch kits to a fall dessert board. What? To a fall dessert board? That sounds fun. You'll find everything you need for all your favorite autumn occasions, like tailgating, Oktoberfest, and more.
1: Uh, Lately, Kara's been making the HelloFreshes for us, and uh, we just had some very nice penne pasta the other day with mushrooms. Yeah, mm. oh. I was into it. It was Wonderful.
0: good. I love a pasta.
1: Oh, yeah. What's not to love?
0: What's not to love? You know, Ross, I've just been thinking, how does HelloFresh save you time?
1: Well, you don't have to go to the grocery store. Mm-hmm. All the food's right there. What, you add some salt and pepper maybe, stir in some margarine. A little
0: bit of choppy choppy maybe. Yeah,
1: yeah. You put in some effort, but they've done all the thinking for you. All the parts are there. So they save you time that way.
0: Love it. It's really good food.
1: They save you the planning time, too. It takes time to plan. Like, you know, you look at each other and you say, like, what are we going to eat tonight? What
0: are we going to do? No more. Go to HelloFresh.com slash Ono65 and use code Ono65 for 65% off. What? Plus free shipping. That's HelloFresh.com slash Ono65. And yes, you heard me right. Code ONO65 for 65% off plus free shipping. Why wouldn't you do that? We're just laughing at your good fortune. Go and get this (laughs) box.
1: And speaking of, as we were earlier, the depravity of humans, sometimes there are killers out there and you need Mm. to hunt them. (laughs)
0: Relatable You you need to find them Relatable segue, yes Find them and bring them
1: to justice We're talking about Human depravity here
0: Yes, absolutely You've been there You've needed to murder someone (laughs) Well, have we got a game for you No,
1: no, no (laughs) <laughs> no this is where you suss out the killer
0: yes and then you kill a person no nope, no nope. no nope, this nope. is hunt a
1: killer you're just bringing them to just you're not actually killing them yourself it's not like this eye for an eye kind of this thing is that
0: game thing it's i've not, played myself it's not
1: lex talionis from the bible
0: so are you tired of the same old game nights are you looking for a fun new activity to do with your family your partner your friends or the other kinds of animals on your boat Then Hunt a Killer is for you.
2: And
1: you get to be the detective. You sort through evidence. Like, they send you a box, and it's got all of this stuff inside of it. You're not going to open it up and find, like, three pieces of paper. No, no, they've got, Mm -hmm. like, figurines. They've got lock boxes that you've got to figure out the combinations to. There's solid objects. There's key cards. There's receipts. There's, like, all of this data. And you go through it. And solve this case with an immersive murder mystery game.
0: The games come with dossiers, maps, evidence. There are dozens of standalone mysteries, or you can subscribe to an immersive multi-part crime case.
1: So I just this past Sunday, I went to my friend Dave's house Mm -hmm. because I was going to attempt that murder at the motel one that had stymied my wife And my son and And my friends. Drew
0: and I were like amazing at it. Chris
1: and Jackie. Yeah. I thought Charles had done it with them. Turns out Charles had done it by himself beforehand and had Ah. correctly solved it. He'd gotten us a copy. But I thought, okay, I want to solve this one and I'll enlist a really smart friend. So I was like, Dave. Help me out. Dave Scarpetti, good good longtime friend and uh Ross co-worker is doing of mine. The
0: phone fingers. Yeah, I'm
1: calling him on the phone. Though no, I think it was a text. Anyways, I went over there and his buddy Paul was there for game day because he has regular game days. Like, can I hijack your game day and we can play Hunt a Killer?
0: Fun. How was it?
1: So we did it. We went through all the stuff and we were like, Oh, well, that person's obviously not. They want us to think it's this one. Mm. So, you know, we tried to work it out. We were looking at all the time schedules and stuff. We were pretty sure we'd gotten it. We also failed. Oh.
0: We got the wrong person. Okay.
1: So then afterwards, we're like, oh, what did we miss here? And we didn't look at the clues section of the website, which might have helped. But we jumped to a conclusion. It was the wrong na-na. one.
0: Okay, so you've learned. I've learned. And that's what this is really about. I'm going to do Dead Below Deck in the next couple of weeks. Sweet.
1: Okay, we'll hear uh, about that.
0: lent to me. Yeah, they really are. Really fun games. Yeah,
1: yeah. No, I'm totally into the experience, and they put a lot of work into it. That one with the Dead Below deck, they had, like, an app that came with it, and you got to see, like, interviews with the suspects. It's really cool. Yeah, fun. A lot of work went into that.
0: So join the hunt today. Go to https colon slash slash huntakiller.com slash oh no, and use code oh no for $10 off your purchase.
1: That's huntakiller.com slash oh no. So back to Tim, I want to tell you more detail and show you pictures of these tableaus that they've shown us of the horrible things people are doing, but in a yeah. family friendly way, <laughs> but to keep us moving as we did on this trip, I'll come back to it because okay. it's so delicious. Oh my Easily one of my favorite parts of the arc because it's just so weird. But one of the things he said is that we had them mistreat animals because everybody hates somebody who mistreats animals. Oh, yeah. they could depict that.
0: Anyway, come on out here to the barbecue. (laughs) Yeah.
1: So some people feel that we didn't go far enough. Some people feel that we went too far. You know, you can never please everyone. He had another example. Like at one point there was a guy with a sword holding a severed head. And so they said, all right, well, let's not show the severed head. And so they just changed it to show him about to cut someone's head off.
0: Aww.
1: So you can do that in your head.
0: So wait, the severed head, did it actually get made?
1: Yeah, presumably, or at least oh a model God, of I it. I gotta
0: see that fourth floor.
1: Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, right, what's up there? <laughs>
0: oh my God, so that, it's got the freakiest shit. This is
1: what I was telling you about. Like there is some like depraved stuff, semi-sexual stuff. Yeah, yeah.
0: I bet it's all up there. Yeah, I, I can't wait to
1: tell you more details and post pictures later, but we'll stop there. Someone get me to that arc. But I thought this was also telling just looking at the original text here. So I was looking at the text that he was referring to about people being so wicked. And I just wanted to see, like, how does the Bible describe this? Yeah. And I think this is really telling. So I'm going to read verses 5 through 13 for you. But just notice what kind of happens mid telling here okay this is in chapter six starting at verse five the lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth and that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time
0: wow okay
1: the lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth and Mm -hmm. his heart was deeply troubled so the lord said i will wipe from the face of the earth the human race i have created and with them the animals The birds and the creatures that move along the ground, them too? (laughs) What do they do? For I regret that I have made them, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Okay, verse 9. This is the account of Noah and his family. Noah was a righteous man, blameless among the people of his Hmm. time, and he walked faithfully with God. "'Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. "'Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight "'and was full of violence. "'God saw how corrupt the earth had become, "'for all the people on earth had corrupted their ways. "'So God said to Noah, "'I'm going to put an end to all people, "'for the earth is filled with violence because of them.' I am surely going to destroy both them and the earth. So I don't know if you noticed there, but like he kind of told about the depravity of humans. Then he introduces Noah and he tells us again about the depravity of all humans. Like it kind of restarts the story. Yeah. And this is a really good example of something that we could devote a whole podcast to, but it's about the authorship of the Bible. Mm. And traditionally, people of faith believe that Moses wrote the Pentateuch, the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, But the more scholarly consensus that has arisen over the past century plus is the documentary hypothesis. And that's the idea that you had these four authors, the J-E-D-P, the Yahwist, the Elohist, the Deuteronomist, and the Priestly authors or traditions that kind of contributed pieces that came together to be what we have as the Bible. And you can kind of tell that by looking at the terminology they use. like For example, the Yahwist will say Yahweh when referring to God or using that abbreviation of God, whereas the Elohist will say the Elohim, plural term. And then the priestly text will say expired. I'm referencing a PBS article on this right now. The Yahwist would, for that same phrasing, use the word died. So you have these kind of distinctions that scholars have made sort of looking through the original texts of writing style of word choice Mm. of focus Mm -hmm. so like the priestly writer would be focusing on what's relevant to someone from the Aaronic priesthood how did we get these rituals that we now follow Mm. so everyone has as as with all writing like a certain aim that they're trying to get at sure and certainly there have been revisions and refinements along the way of this theory, but it's still kind of the accepted way of looking at the Bible through critical scholarship. So I, I was just looking at this passage thinking, oh, this looks definitely like one of those.
0: Yeah, two cooks in the kitchen at least. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah. And so I looked that up and sure enough, that passage was supposed to be and most of The Noah story just seems to be the Yahwist and the priestly authors kind of taking turns, they sort of spliced it in. And that's why, like, in Genesis 1 and 2. I was just
0: thinking that, yeah, the very beginning of the Bible is this happening. It's like you start the story, and then it's as if the tape in the movie theater went off and Uh it had to be restarted again.
1: Right, and then you get these slightly different details, and then later on you have to sort of reconcile it. So in the same way, like, one of the authors, again, according to kind of consensus of scholarship it says that Noah sent out a raven and the raven flies around. But mm-hmm. then immediately thereafter, Noah sends out a dove. Okay. Did he send boats? <laughs> to, did he send- to
0: find the raven. The raven didn't <laughs> come back.
1: <laughs> yeah. Right. And the Yahweh says that it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. And then the water recedes for 40 days. But then in the priestly treatment, it says that it took like a whole calendar year for this thing to take place. So the apologist always looks to just find ways for both to be true. Sure. Whereas the critical scholar might say, ah, what does this tell us about these traditions and who is trying to communicate what? Right, right. But I just thought that was a really interesting example right here talking about the wickedness of the earth, that you had two little mini accounts of that one right after the other. So as we're walking through all of the evil things, he was making the point that like, you know, there's nothing wrong with assembling, but if you're getting sinner's together to do bad things, well that's bad. Hmm. And there's nothing wrong with marriage, but over marriage is wrong.
0: What's that?
1: Like plural marriage which is interesting because like (laughs) all these patriarchs that are about to come uh, seem to do a lot of plural marriaging and God didn't seem to have anything bad to say about it but okay okay, that's an interesting point to watch apologists make they'll try to Mm -hmm. find ways to kind of hint that God was displeased with the multiple uh, wives and concubines anyways I won't get off on that rabbit trail he said music is not necessarily wrong but there is such a thing as rap
0: whoa yeah and
1: that got some that got some laughter from our crowd. But I was like, okay.
0: Wow. So
1: he was just, you know, okay. trying to make that the joke of I don't personally like rap, but it didn't sound good.
0: No, nope. Doesn't.
1: Then he said "Metal working can be used for good or bad. Metal you,
0: music, sir.
1: You can make farm equipment out of metal or you can make weapons out of metal and sure. you can use yes. a weapon for self-defense or for aggression. So he was just making the point that these people were evil. They were making bad decisions. They were doing everything to excess. So I came back later and I took very thorough pictures of these dioramas because they're just, they're gold. They're ah, chef's kiss. <laughs> so then we move over to some of the, and this is what Carrie caught me laughing at the diagram that we've got here on the handout of the floors of the Ark and what's in there. They've kind of labeled the different decks and what exhibits you can find there. I just thought it was hilarious that on this family entertainment boat, boat. We have animals in cages.
0: Oh, yeah. Are they actual animals?
1: <laughs> they're, they're replicas. The replicas. Yeah, okay. they're sculptures. Got it. Got it. So he takes us to a particular display nearby that shows some representative animals. Of course, they haven't tried to include all of the 1,398 kinds, but they've given us. That
0: would be too hard.
1: <laughs> yeah, and we wouldn't have room to walk or ramps or anything like that. You know, like I'll grant all of that. Sure. That you, sure on this massive boat, yeah, you can fit a lot of things on here. We could quibble over the numbers needed and the viability of that kind of population bottleneck of two individuals. Yeah,
0: see if they can just do it for one night.
1: Of a complex organism, my goodness. So he said that they were very strategic about picking animal examples that would be good storytelling points, be representative of, you know, larger points that they want to make. So he took us to this mammal that evolutionists say is the distant ancestor of the whale. This is Pachycetus And he said, the evolutionists they just found like a little bit of like the jawbone and they made this whole story, but that's all they need to kind of invent the quote unquote ancestor of the whale. Cause you know, this one feature looks like it could be similar to a whale structure. Sure. And so I looked this one up because I know, yeah, sometimes we have made those ventures. I say we as in, as if I'm involved in the scientific <laughs> enterprise, humanities search into fossil records. And sometimes we realize, oh, that was wrong in Jurassic Park. You have the T Rex who, can't see too well, like you have to move for him to oh, right, discern you. And then they realized later, oh, no, that wasn't right, he could see just fine. So I looked it up, and no, nope, Pachycetus still, with additional fossils found, still fits within that framework of an early land animal that went back into the ocean. And so they had created little sculpted Pachycetuses. And he said, does this look like a whale to you? And, you know, granted, okay, it doesn't. But, uh, yeah, I thought he was stacking the deck a little bit there. He showed us an animal nearby and said, like, the guy who did the sculptures for all of these animals, this was his first one. It it did look really good. He's like, isn't this guy, like, crazy talented? I agree. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, the models on the Ark are good. And I've got to say, part of me thinks, like, oh, if this artistic talent had been used for other purposes. (laughs) uh, feel a little better
0: maybe it it is maybe that person's wildly successful at other things you know
1: totally possible like with that truth traveler exhibit they brought in a production artist from many studios uh, with a lot of talent
0: actually maybe I'm still on good terms with Craig maybe I'll ask him if he knows any of the design team from this oh yeah yeah because he's worked on some fun stuff he worked on Cars Land oh so good yeah at uh, California Adventure and he worked on Harry Potter World in Florida
1: oh also good I've also been there yeah yeah. we come across a to talking about unicorns and so
0: Yeah, hell yeah. Yeah. Good.
1: Were unicorns on the Ark?
0: Yeah, were they? Because they're in the Bible.
1: Right. So yeah, in the King James Bible, you do have nine mentions of unicorns. And Tim said, you know, skeptics love to point this out and say, ha, look, you know, the Bible thinks unicorns are real. No, there weren't unicorns on the Ark. And they weren't really in the Bible either. It was just a mistranslation because...
0: Oh, there's mistranslations in the Bible, you're saying.
1: Yes. Please, hold on. I'm immediately with you like, okay, that's a major theological point. Yep. If you're saying that God is not overseeing the translation process yep. that carefully. You just
0: throughout your whole thing.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's a problem. Yep. But jumping back to it. Yeah. Essentially, just for anybody wondering, he feels that a rhinoceros is a perfect match for all of the one horn mentions in the Bible. Other people have pointed to other animals that it might be referring to like a Wild ox or a wild bull? Anyways, yeah, again, he's making a point that I think is like not quite making the point that you thought it was.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure.
1: I've been reading a lot of answers in Genesis websites lately, but I want to get a more firm answer on this, so I'll keep looking. But he referenced that what they did when they were trying to create these animals, I'd mentioned before when I was looking at the VR experience that some of the animals looked like those textbook renderings of ancient animals that were kind of amorphous and all like gray and stuff like that. Yeah. He was saying that our philosophy was we tried to find the soonest fossils of animals available after what we consider to be the flood boundary in the fossil record. Okay. And my thought was, I'm sorry, what now? Flood boundary? Yeah. Yeah, where do you put that? Because- obviously, like real geologists and evolutionists, quote unquote, to use their term, have worked out pretty well what the different <laughs> separations are in the fossil record and, yeah, and what strata. eras they come from. Yeah. But apparently they have like a line that they feel they can identify worldwide and say everything below this was pre-flood and everything after was post-flood. Wow. I'd love to know where that was. I haven't yet found a straight answer on that, but I'll keep okay. I'll keep looking. Interesting. Anyway, so he said, you know, we would then look for the next instant of that animal in the fossil record and we try to like create a fleshed out version of that okay. for the ARC experience. Yeah, fair enough. But again, <laughs> I just, my goodness, the fossil record does not go along well with the creationist story. And I remember when we were at the Creation Museum down in Santee, yeah. one of the questions I asked a guy named Bruce uh, <laughs> who <laughs> hey, was Bruce. <laughs> answering questions afterwards. I said, so why is it that you find consistently simpler life forms farther down, and then like all of these animals fall within distinct strata. Yeah, You don't find trilobites with humans. You know, like these things are quite separate. And he said, well, clams can't run. So the idea was that the floodwaters came and all the simple things got buried first, and then another layer got set down and slightly more complicated things couldn't get to higher ground and avoid the floodwaters. I see. And that's why we have the ordering. I think that's very special. Pleading.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, if that's true, it seems like we get back to the same question of okay, then how did we preserve all of the marine animals? Mm hmm. If the flood just kills them, which is what you're saying now, which is not what you were saying before. Yeah,
1: and if this story were consistent, we would just see layers upon layers of just all of these things blended together.
0: Yeah, everything could run now.
1: And that's not what we see. Mm-hmm. It's very separated, and it fits with the story of evolution. It does not fit with the story of creation. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah, it's a real problem for them, but their response is just to attack very specific things about the fossil record just so creationists will have enough qualms whenever they hear someone mention fossils that they'll be like, oh, well, this person doesn't know what they're talking about. Because I remember That's how I was taught. Anyways, another example that he gave was the giraffids, so the the giraffe kind. Mm. And he said there are two modern animals. You have the giraffe and you have the okapi. And he agreed that there were other extinct relatives of the giraffe So they had depicted a giraffe-like creature, but that had a much shorter neck. And he said, we agree with evolutionists that these are related animals, but evolutionists think it took like hundreds of thousands or millions of years for this neck to lengthen. We think it could have been done much faster. And kind of threw shade at the evolutionists. They think they found like some evidence in the fossil record. Well, Yes, Mm -hmm. (laughs) scientists have. There are the transitional fossils and they fall in the right order, but whatever. By the way, giraffids were that kind were clean. So there could have been up to 14 giraffids on the Ark, Mm. which means that also Noah might have sacrificed some of them, which is... um,
0: Sad. Sad. He should have called the Ark the Giraffed.
1: Yeah, I like it. A listener made a good point that they show modern giraffes as they're kind of spokespeople. They've got George the giraffe. They've got the mm-hmm. commercials featuring the giraffes. So that's like become their iconic animal that they sort of represent for the Ark. But they're saying here that those giraffes were not on the Ark. And yet they got really upset at others like VeggieTales for showing zebras on the Ark.
0: Oh, right, right.
1: So make of that what you will. By the way, that whole seven of the clean animals, that's another one that was kind of added by the priestly author. So you had the Two of every animal story kind of told like, hey, good. Okay. We got two of every animal in the ark, Great. And then you have this other author, presumably kind of coming in and saying, and by the way, some of these had to be clean. So there's seven of those because we need the extra animals for sacrifice. And so on Answers in Genesis's website, they say, well, that's not inconsistent. There's just God's clarifying a little later that there's more detail to this. And he likes the whole six plus one construction like you got with the days of creation.
0: People do love that number.
1: Yeah, people love seven. They
0: love seven.
1: Yeah, if the Bible's had any effect on humanity.
0: You think it's that?
1: That's one thing that it's done. You
0: don't think it goes the other way? like
1: that people liked seven beforehand that 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 got written in the Bible?
0: Well, yeah, but that there's some like psychological thing happening. The way... We're attached to threes and stuff. Oh,
1: yeah. I'm sure the road of influence flows both ways. I'm guessing, yeah, like three and four and seven and 12 feel good to us because they have been highlighted in history as such mm, okay. um, significant rounded numbers. I think 12, you know, it's like a really good divisible number. Maybe. Yeah. You could probably do some psychology on that as to why yeah, certain I'm numbers are appealing. Sh-
0: it's probably both true. Yeah. It just feels to me like seven is like small enough to be itemized, big enough to feel like a little out of what I can track quickly in my mind. Yeah,
1: well, I, I think there have been studies showing that that's kind of the number of pieces of information we can hold in our short-term memory. Yeah. Why phone numbers, you yeah. know, seven digits long.
0: I feel like there's something around that. Yeah,
1: Yep. quite possibly. That'd be a fun thing to explore.
0: And it's shape straight than curvy. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I remember once telling someone that my favorite number was forty seven and they said, Oh yeah, I can see that because you've got like the hard angles in the four and then you've got like the sinuous mm. line in the seven. <laughs> I was like, Nope, that's not why.
0: <laughs> why is it? Why is it your favorite?
1: <laughs> oh goodness, though that would be too much to get into, but I think I just kept seeing it for a while at the right age. And okay. then I learned that it was like the number for silver and oh, okay. it's the year that the Roswell crash happened and the transistor was invented. I I don't know i just started picking up facts around 47 and i don't
0: think it, i have a favorite it, number it
1: became my number no you don't
0: i guess not
1: my that's like the loneliest number so probably one
0: <laughs> i have favorite color
1: what's that orange orange yeah yeah that's good orange
0: one. yellow close second yeah all right yeah respect thank you thank you so much so we I st- mean, there's 69
1: yeah yeah you seem to really like 69 <laughs> which rounds up to seven 6.9
0: yeah, it does.
1: Uh, so we stopped by the T Rex, of course. Yes, there are dinosaurs on the Ark. They are very nicely modeled, they look great. And he said great. that this is his favorite animal. Okay. And then a kid asked him, I don't know. Two minutes later, hey, what's your favorite animal? (laughs) And he said, okay, well, the T-Rex would be my favorite animal. Though, if you're asking me my favorite living animal, I'll say the hummingbird, followed by the koala. Just down around Uh. the corner, he pointed us to the koala, also in the ark. But he mentioned later that one of the exhibits that they're thinking of adding is one that shows Noah's favorite animal and his least favorite animal. So coincidentally, Noah's favorite animal is the hummingbird, And his least favorite animal, what would you think? Koala? No.
0: Okay, Noah's least favorite animal. Snake?
1: There's actually, there's kind of a little story attached to this. He made a wood structure. What is he not like?
0: made a wood structure, so he doesn't like beavers?
1: That's a good guess. competitors? That's following the the logic. I realized I was opening it up for termites, but insects seem to be kind of left out of this whole story. Woodpecker? You got it. Ah. The woodpecker.
0: okay.
1: And Tim was saying this would be a great exhibit because they could talk about some other points about the design of these animals, you know, and how great God's design is. So uh, we start seeing some of the people on the ark. Like every now and then you'll see like a full size figure of one of the people, Mm. one of the sons or daughters, and they're doing chores or taking care of animals. And so we came over to Noah, who is an animatronic.
2: Ooh,
0: I love an animatronic. Yeah. Okay.
1: Now, I will say there are multiple Noahs. So there is a Noah releasing a pigeon oh well it's a dove but the point was that it wasn't white because pigeon kind included all of the other pigeons who would be to come
0: Ah, so okay. he's
1: releasing a multicolored you know motley pigeon that you might expect to see anywhere mm-hmm. but that's the mm-hmm. dove anyways
0: yeah, I like so, that
1: so yeah there's a few Noah's on the ark but one of them is an animatronic yeah okay. and actually pretty well done you want to see him
0: yeah a- any more questions haha <laughs> that's a good question My favorite animal. There are so many to choose from.
2: Ooh,
1: I like the tiny hovering bird that can fly in all directions, even backwards. (laughs) Neat. He's, he's describing a, a hummingbird. hummingbird. Yeah. So That's they haven't made the full very
0: folds. Carousel of Progress. Oh, yeah.
1: Totally. Uh, but, you know, well-made animatronics.
0: Yeah, yeah totally. I,
1: I was impressed. Cute look, little pigeon. Look good. And they have this whole, again, design that they've made for each character. You always see them in the same outfit. So he's wearing this little hat that looks like a pot. Turned yeah, it looks down.
0: like a flower pot. Yeah.
1: And Tim said there's like 14 questions sort of preset on a touchscreen display. You can ask him and he'll give you his answer, like what his favorite animal is. So people were asking questions, which were good questions, about how they wrote these details for the characters and how confident they felt doing that. And Tim said, yeah, we made a real effort to try to separate our presumptions, artistic license. (laughs) And there is that sign kind of as you walk in the correct entrance that I'll see later that spells out sort of their philosophy about that. How we had to add details because there's really not much in the original story like giving the wives names he mentioned but at least to encapsulate that just so people realize if it turns out to be wrong somehow we're not saying it's canon
0: yeah i mean fair enough i suppose
1: they'd even like created this little custom language so you would see script that noah was writing oh wow and other people in the ark were writing but it turns out it was just like a direct cipher so each letter that was on the sheet corresponded to an English letter or a space gotcha. or something like that. Sure,
0: I did I made one of these languages in high school with my friend Mary. Yeah,
1: yeah. Just like the Indiana Jones ride. You know, if you bring mm. on the little cipher, you can see the messages oh, written on right. the wall. Yeah. So I, yeah. I'm a little tempted to not look up the cipher, but to pull up some of my pictures and like kind of reverse engineer it and figure out oh, what yeah, they're saying. Yeah, yeah. I think that might be worth the effort for me. But for example, he had like one thing was written by Ham, and if you decode it, it says Watch out for his claws. And it's tied to this whole story about Ham being attacked by one of the animals on the Ark. And if you read the whole novelization series that he wrote, you'll get like that whole story and it'll Mm. tie in. So it's like a fun little behind the scenes thing. If you get into the written works, you'll understand the Ark better. This is where I asked if there was one additional piece of information that you could add to the Bible, like if God could just answer one of your questions, Mm. like give you an additional piece of info you could use towards building the ark, what would you want God to include? So he, he liked that question. He said, oh, wow. Okay. Can I think about that through the tour? I said, sure. And then he said, My on mic answer might be different from my personal answer.
0: Oh, interesting. I was like,
1: okay. <laughs> huh. Like huh. where's where's your mind going? But he said, Okay, I'll keep thinking about that. Huh. So, all right, you think about it.
0: My friend Mike, who was my youth pastor, someone asked him that once on a church trip. Asked him if you could ask God one question, what would it be? And Mike said, "Where did I put my wallet that one time?"
1: Ah. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah,
0: which yeah is obviously useful and also funny. But I do remember having this like little bit of this moment of like, oh. Like, you're not engaging with this fully.
1: Oh, right, right. That yeah. y- you're more making the joke, even though it has like a philosophical...
0: Yeah, like, but what really, look. what would you ask him? I don't know. It did. It just made me feel like...
1: No, no, yeah. God is here. Treat it seriously. Yeah,
0: yeah. Like, ask yeah, him one like, question. I thought, I thought we were really all thinking about this. Mm, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: When he does eventually answer this question, I'll have to remind him, he does give a fairly substantial answer. Nice. I was telling Carrie earlier about their representations of the different characters because there was another cup I could have bought that would have had the wife of Japheth and the wife of Shem and, you know, like all these characters and they would list their names that they'd given them and they would also list their specialties. So in the story writing, they had made like some of them experts in taking care of animals, some of them experts in metalworking or shipbuilding or storytelling or what have you. And you asked a good question, Carrie, which was, oh, how convenient that all of them just happen to be good at things that they would need to do on the ark, essentially. And so, this was a point that he actually made at this point. He said, Well, we looked at everybody and we kind of gave the sons different aspects of things we thought Noah could do, okay. like Shem we knew would be the grandfather of all of the Israelites, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. So we made him like a, a very good with livestock. And also he was a writer because they would be the people of the book, you know? Mm. So that's the kind of like thought that they tried to put into it, but they wanted to be very clear again, that it was a speculation. So he pointed out, uh, there's an exhibit I'll be eager to tell you about later that really emphasizes like, we should not treat the ark like a fairy tale. And someone asked him like, Were there any other exhibits that you wanted to make or you almost made? And it became very clear this is really a work in progress. So every now and then he would drop like some piece of information about an exhibit they moved or changed to a different floor. For example, originally you would see a lot about the Genesis creation story. And then you would go right into the fall with all of those people doing horrible things. And he found that that would get really backed up. So they had to like move that first exhibit just to free up some of the space.
0: Oh, interesting. So they had to like put something a little more boring up top. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) We're
1: getting people bunched up here. So a little bit of crowd management. He was talking about how they wanted to have, and they built a space for it. And right now it's just kind of empty. But when you're walking into the human rooms, like kind of the chambers for Noah, and there's a special area for the humans on the Ark, originally... They wanted to have a Noah's bathroom and just kind of talk about how do you do that? Because that's one of those real life things that make the story more realistic, just like the little cogner in the nativity scenes that poops in the corner. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So he said, you know, we're still kind of hoping to get to that. He said that there's one that they'd already designed and kind of have ready to go called Has the Ark Been Found? And they agree the answer is no. It's been ready for six years, but they just haven't really had the right space for it. Hmm. So eventually they'll find the right place to put that. They plan to put in like a giant, like 40 to 50 foot Torah scroll and talk about just the process of God giving us his word. He talked about that one with the hummingbird and the woodpecker. So there's just like all these ideas that they have of additional things they want to add or ones that they almost did or ones that they reconfigured. So it's going to continue to change over time. He talked a bit about that door, and we'd mentioned earlier how it has like the connection to the cross and the significance. Oh,
0: right! And
1: just from like from what Tim said, and from other things I heard over the days I was there, I got the impression that originally, like Ken Ham wanted them to lean really hard on that door salvation connection. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, this metaphor, yeah. And
1: that other people were kind of pushing back on it, being like, eh, I feel like we're Tenuous. making- Yeah, we're making a little extra story that's not really that central to the story of the Ark. Let's maybe lighten up on that. We're adding some theology there. So he said that one thing that he did was he made a sign sort of explaining that and had a whole story about Ken Ham showing up with a group of people walking up the ramp right as they, like seven minutes after they installed the sign. They were worried that Ken Ham wouldn't like it because they were kind of downplaying that. This
0: is all on the sign?
1: No, no. But the sign itself that they had just installed moments before Ken Ham walked up the ramp and hadn't seen it or approved it. They were worried that he might be upset by the sign and, like, chew his ear off later, like, hey, you're downplaying my cross analogy. Oh,
0: I see. Okay. S-
1: something like that. But apparently Ken Ham did like it and came to Tim later and said, like, hey, when are you going to put lights shining on that sign so people oh, can read okay. it better? okay. Nice. But another thing that Tim did was in this later section I'll tell you about where they have sort of a comic story that's telling the story of these Three kids, one who's a believer, one who's a non-believer, and one who's kind of like on the fence. Mm -hmm. Uh, They have this whole like comic book on the walls that you read. But at the end, they talk about doors of the Bible. Ooh, we got
0: a pamphlet. And
1: then they give you a little tract that you can take. Yeah, so there's a copy to look through. So Tim thought it would help, like, well, what if we looked at other doors in the Bible and just kind of established that God kind of uses doors? So yeah, what do you see in there?
0: The most important message in the world is found in the Bible. It's called the gospel. This gospel or good news can be seen in biblical history by walking through a series of monumental doors Mm -hmm. that all point to the person and work of Jesus Christ. See, if I'm a child, I'm like, wait, then why are we talking about this boat?
1: (laughs) Yeah, Rather than, oh, okay, it's the door on the boat. Okay. Yeah,
0: oh, it's a metaphor. Oh, the only connection here is linguistic. Okay.
1: They're also working on a Jerusalem model that they're going to add. Mm. They, ha- they have a Babel model, but they're going to add a Jerusalem model. He was getting ready to take a trip to Jerusalem to do some research for it. It's going to be like super detailed. Also, I found an artistic rendering of the park from before it was built that was like much more massive, like so many more attractions, a whole another section that had like a modern recreation of Jerusalem. Yeah. At
0: one point they wanted to have a petting zoo, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well.
1: They kind of do. Uh, they yeah. kind of do. Okay. Yeah, we'll talk about the animals outside the Ark. but Got it. But yeah, the original vision for this is far more extensive.
0: Interesting.
1: Anyway, so getting back to the doors. So you had the door during the Exodus story that was painted with the lamb's blood mm. to protect the family from the angel of death. Okay. Yeah.
0: No idea, but okay.
1: There's a story to unpack. Then you have like the temple door that only the priests could go through at certain times. Then you had the door of the sheep pen that the shepherd would lie in and protect his flocks. Then you had the door of the tomb, you know, had the stone that was rolled away. That's our doors of the Bible and of salvation. And of salvation. course, the
0: narrow door.
1: And, right. We almost choose the way that is narrow. So this
0: doesn't seem like a good metaphor for the ark where, like, the door got locked. He was like, come on my boat. And then people were like, no, you seem like you're having auditory hallucinations. Then he was like, <laughs> I'm going to lock this door. And now that you know I'm right, I'm not letting you in. Well,
1: the animals got let in. Yeah. And those eight people. And interesting aspect of the Bible story, they were not able to close the door on their own. God had to do it for them.
0: Oh, geez. This guy has to do everything around here.
1: <laughs> right. So anyways, that's how he had kind of enhanced but also diffused the whole door analogy. You could see Tim's hand at work there but the important thing with the whole door story is that this is all about salvation that's why the ark is here that's mm. why you know up on the third floor we have this whole thing that's just the salvation message i think they're really hoping that some people will come here walk through the ark and come out and say like oh i need jesus in my life mm-hmm. that's the real goal and is
0: that what happened for you yes Oh, wow. Okay, cool.
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm just
0: You don't know how to tell a story, but that's good to know. <laughs> yeah, I mean,
1: I was getting there eventually, but yeah, I mean, I recommitted my life to Christ right Whoa, there. Whoa,
0: okay, okay, okay. So, really the... different story. Okay.
1: So as with all things, I just always felt it was funny. I mean, in, in life in general, whenever we would be a bunch of church kids, that we would end everything with a salvation message. It's like, yep. hey, we're all on board here. Yep.
0: yep. <laughs> I was just thinking that with this pamphlet you handed me, because on the back, it's like, pray the sinner's prayer. And I'm like, who is reading this that hasn't prayed the sinner's right. prayer? Yeah.
1: And you know, I get it. They say that 30% of the people who visit the ark aren't believers. I don't know how they get that number if I believe it, but yeah, I kind of yeah. believe it. It's just funny, like at a homeschooling conference, you know, where we are the target audience, mm-hmm. you know, that's still like, so often we are led to the salvation message. It's like, Yeah, I think everybody here gets it. Yeah, (laughs) But that was where he ended the tour. And he said, thanks so much, everybody. And, you know, really enjoyed my time with you. Thank you very much. And, you know, kind of waved us all off. But I stuck around because I wanted to remind him this question. I had to wait for the snake guy to tell his story and some other people to take pictures with him. So he was kind of in demand for a little bit. But he stuck around. So I asked him. Have you thought about what would be the one piece of information that you'd really love to have if God could just add an additional line for you of authoritative information, and I was expecting him to have like some very specific thing about the ark that like we've been struggling over we really had to make a an executive decision because we're not sure, and his answer was, well. My kind of personal answer is that I really love to understand more about Genesis 14, because there's this hmm. battle between like four kings and five kings. And
0: Oh, this is his off-microphone answer. Wow. Okay. Uh,
1: the side that loses is the one that has like all these giants. It doesn't say there that there were giants, but like through reading elsewhere in the Bible, you can determine that these are giants. I would really just love to know the details of how that went down and why they lost, because it doesn't seem like they should have, that Abram would win over them.
0: This is what he would ask
1: God? That's what he would ask God. And he said, I would love for God just to say like, yeah, you got it right, Tim. You you just happened to find in your master's thesis. Yeah. So I said- That's
0: bizarre.
1: He wishes the chapter were three times longer. And I reread that chapter. It was a very boring,
0: (laughs) inconsequential chapter as
1: far as I was concerned. Oh
0: strange.
1: So I said, okay, well, is there anything like relevant to this exhibit?
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or our lives at all.
1: Yeah, he just wanted God to tell me he was right after all. So, yeah, I tried to like pin him down on that. And he said, Oh, yeah, well.
0: I'd ask why you did COVID, but okay.
1: Right, sure. And so he was like trying to think like if there was anything he'd really want to know about the ark. And I said, Well, <laughs> like. Maybe the names of the wives since they're all of our ancestors. And he said, yeah, yeah, that would be helpful. And certainly they wouldn't be the ones that we came up with. Well,
0: I I mean, if they were, he would be turning cartwheels. Mm -hmm.
1: So he went back to Giants. Clearly his fixation, like within the larger fixation of the arc, he has a smaller, more dense nugget of fascination with Giants. Being a six foot nine man himself and having written a, a thesis on Giants, he said, I would really love for Noah to just come right out and say like, oh, by the way, this passage in chapter six, verses one through four with a Nephilim, here's what I meant by that.
0: Wow. So
1: that's the detail he would want.
0: Man, this guy is really narrowed in on a little segment of human experience, and that's where he is staying.
1: He said, though, if you'd asked me like five years ago, I probably would have had some more specific answers of things we were trying to... I would have
0: had some dumb answer, like, (laughs) why did you let the HIV crisis happen? (laughs) no!
1: Why didn't the Bible tell people to wash their hands or that they're they're microscopic organisms? Those are always my go-tos. But he said, yeah, I would have had like specific questions, quibbling things that I would like to have settled. But he feels like over all these years, they've done all this kind of evidentiary research and they've found solutions that he's happy with. Okay,
0: great. Uh, I'm glad he's satisfied. Yeah,
1: doesn't need God to weigh in. He's
0: like, I don't have any questions remaining God.
1: I thought I'd ask this great question that would really just like get him going for a while, but yeah, there you go.
0: I wish he would put that in that song. If you'd ask God one question, what would it be? And then he's like,
1: Why were the giants losing in the battle of Genesis 14? Mm -hmm,
0: Yeah. (laughs) Right in there. fits.
1: So then I asked him, so you've said, you know, we haven't found the ark. Does Answers in Genesis or do you have a perspective on why the ark wasn't preserved? Mm. Why do you think that is? Because they haven't made that exhibit.
0: Yeah, withstood an enormous flood, and then what?
1: Yeah, and he said, well, part of it is just that the elements of the shipbuilding weren't the kind of thing that preserve well. Okay. And he gave an example of, you know, that. other wooden structures that dilapidate. Like, okay, yes, but wouldn't people revere that site, come back to it, preserve it, reproduce it. Wouldn't we have depictions of it? Wouldn't they... Like,
0: Grandpa built this boat that saved all of humanity. Yeah,
1: let's walk back here and take a look (laughs) at it. (laughs)
0: Yeah. <laughs> Let's walk back here.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, wouldn't we? Danny,
0: we, we got to go back to Ararat before that thing decomposes. We just gotta. I, mean, I don't want to walk back to
1: Ararat, Isn't Mom. Isn't that what humans do? They like venerate and honor things and like make reproductions of them. You know, yeah. I, I think this is a real question. Well,
0: there's a reproduction.
1: And he said, well, there was probably some of that. We do have stories of people finding pieces of the ark, but most of that is within the last couple thousand years so probably just stories who knows and he said some people theorize that maybe it was like captured in ice but mm. that would also destroy it and rip it apart you know we might find pieces of wood or something i'm thinking yeah there are a lot at least if this is any indication this ark that we're surrounded by that's a lot of boards of wood yeah so i said well do you think there's like a theological reason that god chose like i don't want this thing competing for reverence or mm. you know i don't want a relic Mm. sticking around.
0: You're like, I'm trying to help you. Yeah,
1: like I remember those kinds of theories being bandied about. And he said, nah, I don't think so.
0: (laughs) This guy's so weird. (laughs) I know,
1: (laughs) like, I mean, at least to his credit, you can't predict his answers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, He'd give you some left field ones every now and then. But he said, like, if we did find it today, we'd just be like, well, here it is. And then (laughs) the skeptics would say, okay, well, someone made a boat thousands of years ago. It doesn't prove there was a flood. And I said, "Well, it would still be an important piece of evidence." Yeah. And he said, "Well, you know, of course it would help uh, people who want to believe, and maybe maybe some skeptics. But for most people who don't want to believe, it doesn't matter what you show them." Hmm. And I said, "It might help. <laughs> it helps a lot of people." And he said, "Yeah, but I think it would help believers more than non-believers." For real skeptics, you know, it's not about evidence. Romans one tells us that they should have enough evidence just from creation itself of God's existence. And yet they're willing to believe the craziest stuff just in an effort not to accept that. Oh wow. And yeah, I just thought, wow, he really, really does believe this. Like, yeah, yeah, he for thinks sure. that, you know, other people are just deluded about this. And I said, Well, okay, I'll always take more evidence, but all right. And he said, Well, we will, kind of indicating <laughs> you and me. And I really like- I, We're it, a
0: special kind. Yeah,
1: it, it kind of warmed me at that moment that like with all the questions I'd been peppering him with for yeah. the last 55 minutes, he still thought of me as, you know, Baizano, you know, like yeah, p- fellow believers. makes
0: me wonder, like really? 30% of the people who come here aren't believers? Because you're assuming the person you're talking to is- De facto a believer Yeah
1: Though I also Signed up for the Homeschooling conference So Yeah That is an additional Narrowing I
0: guess that's right
1: You know there were people Like on the ark When you were just Milling about with the Hoi polloi Other people have come In just to experience The park And then I started Seeing masks Occasionally Okay So you know Maybe Anyway so He said We want more evidence You and me The believers Mm -hmm. (laughs) uh, Because we understand That it's consistent With what we believe Which I thought Was telling
0: Oh hun. Yeah
1: Uh-oh. That's not the way
0: to think about anything. And
1: again, I think you've revealed a bit too much there. Yeah. You know, that like, we like things that we believe in, that agree right, with right. our...
0: Start with the conclusion and work backwards. Yeah that, yeah, that
1: is the bottom line, I think. But he reinforced, yeah, ultimately, it just doesn't matter what you show the skeptics. So I asked if I could take a picture with him. So little five-foot, five-inch me took a picture with six-foot, nine-inch Tim Chase. Damn, Chasey. let's see. Okay. And it, it looks exactly like you would expect.
0: Yeah, foot and four inches. Okay. I'm trying to picture it. I'm picturing you coming to just below his shoulder. Yep. Yep, my head are, comes right to just up to below his, shoulder. his shoulder. Yep. Wow, that is a tall guy.
1: Sure is. So I said, man, I really appreciate this. This is great. I would have asked you 20 times the number of questions <laughs> if I could have. And he said, hey, well, I always tell my students the only bad question, well, aside from an inappropriate one, <laughs> is one that isn't asked. <laughs> I was, I was so ready for that, like, truism that everybody says. <laughs> the, his little insertion there. Uh,
0: totally undoes the sentiment.
1: <laughs> just like a waiver made me want to laugh.
0: That's great. Uh, well, I'm so glad you made a friend.
1: Yeah, yeah. So, you know, I really honestly enjoyed my time with Tim Chafee. And he's like an earnest guy. He really cares about this. He cares about the details like I do. He's a little yep. detail fiend. And yeah, I would have gladly picked his brain the rest of the day. There there will be more essence of Tim throughout the storytelling, but that was my Secrets of the Ark tour.
0: Well, Tim, if you end up googling your name and you come across this episode and you want to come on, you let us know.
1: Oh, you are welcome anytime. We will pepper and pester you with as many questions (laughs) as you want.
0: It'll be very nice. Well... Yes, Ross, is it?
1: That's uh, that's all for my story today, but uh, we'll circle back next time with more details from the Ark.
0: Okay, nice.
1: I hope you've all buckled your seatbelts and packed plenty of food for this voyage because uh, it's a long story. Next week, we'll be taking a week of rest, but we'll be back the following week with more ARC.
0: Cool. Well, I also want to tell you, Ross, that I have an event coming up on November 29th that's online. At MaximumFun.org forward slash events, if anybody wants to join. It's just 10 short dollars. That's the suggested donation. You can give more, you can give less. The money is going to CASA, the organization that advocates for kids in the foster system, in the courts. And it is a non-magical tarot reading by John Moe, another host on the network. And he's got four of us MaxFun hosts that he's giving non-magical tarot readings to.
1: Oh, fun. So if you're feeling like, I really miss Carrie... Mm-hmm. This is where you can find her. That's true. Yep. That's where I'll be. Anywhere else they can find you?
0: Yes. I just finished a book club, a two-person book club with my friend Lucian. We read the book Unmask Alice, yeah. which is about Go Ask Alice, the old pseudograph biography. Neither of us really cared for this, <laughs> this book about Go Ask Alice, but it did evoke this like very interesting conversation between me and Lucian that goes on for four episodes or so. Oh, it's wow. On, it's on his Patreon, so you can Google it.
1: I listened but. to the first half hour of the first episode and okay. it's sitting there in my tabs waiting for me to go back.
0: Oh, what a ringing endorsement. It was
1: good. I, I really enjoyed that half hour. <laughs> Ross
0: listened <laughs> Ross to half of it and then kept a tab open. If Please had, run. Don't
1: if, <laughs> if, I, if I had closed the tab, that would be a firm <laughs> condemnation of your conversation. You're right. That didn't sound as long as it no, should No, no. Be. I've was, been telling
0: everybody, like, you gotta listen to was it's unenthusiastic we don't really like it we thought we would and then we were committed i don't know but it ended up being a good conversation about like how to complete that kind of journalism it's a journalistic look at this event so yeah it, it brought up some some really interesting
1: i've been a little obsessed with arc stuff lately but yes it's, sure it's good conversation excellent Well, that's it for our show.
0: Our theme music is by Brian Keith Dalton.
1: Our administrative manager is Ian Kramer.
0: You can support this and all our investigations by going to maximumfund.org forward slash join.
1: Yes, and thank you for supporting us. Thank you for making this podcast possible. We have so many more adventures to do, and you can help us do them. And you can also, I don't know, buy a Jumbotron, Maximumfund.org slash Jumbotron. Yeah. You can leave us a positive review. That actually really helps. Yeah. It helps other people find us. And when they find us, they go like, oh, ah, people listen to this. They like it. Yeah. I'll listen to it, too.
0: Exactly. You can donate blood.
1: Oh, yeah. That's a great thing to do if you are able.
0: And then just lean over to the person, the phlebotomist, and be like, you got to listen to Ono Ross and Gary. It's a podcast. I think you would really, really like it. And make really intense eye contact, like mm-hmm. you're becoming delirious with the blood loss and just keep.
1: Oftentimes, after you donate, they'll give you a little sticker that says, like, be nice to me. I donated blood.
0: Oh, do they? See? And so
1: use that. People will be yeah, like, oh, I better straight. be nice to her and listen to the podcast.
0: There you go. There you go. Trade your blood for your friend's listenership of this podcast.
1: Greater love hath no man than this. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. And remember,
2: in the words of Tim Chafee. But then we had to make some decisions as well about this. When you're counting the number of animals. The Bible says Noah's supposed to bring two of every kind. And then does he say seven of the clean animals and flying creatures? Or does he say seven pairs? Well, it depends on which Bible you look at. Uh, they're kind of split about 50-50 in that. And there's arguments that go back and forth on this. Um, the, the Hebrew literally just says seven, seven, a male and his female. The fact that they go two by two seems to imply there's an even number, but there's arguments for the other side. And I'm not here today to jump into that. But we had to make a decision. And our decision was, our philosophy, whenever we're counting these animals, whenever we have a decision to make between a lower number and a higher number, we're always going with a higher number because we're trying to show people that all the animals could fit on board the ark. And if we always took the lower number and we said, see, they fit, people are gonna accuse us of cheating because what if it really should have been the higher number? I'm sure you've noticed how giant corporations are controlling more and more about what we consume, whether it's our food, our news, or even the shows we enjoy. The Greatest Generation is a show that stands up to Big Star Trek and says no. We can laugh about costumes that fit too tightly in the groin
1: area. We can make a Star Trek podcast that's basically only about that. The
2: Greatest Generation. The show for free and independent thinkers about Star Trek. And the groins of different costumes. Reviewing every episode in order. So subscribe
1: to The Greatest Generation on MaximumFun.org. You'll be doing your part in telling the Star Trek industrial complex that they can't control your mind. Hi, it's Kevin from MaxFun HQ. This year for Giving Tuesday, we're inviting you to a super fun tarot event it's got some of your favorite Max Fun hosts, and it's for a great cause. Join Depression Mode's John Moe, Carrie Poppy of Ono Ross and Carrie, Stuart Wellington from the Flop House, Tom Lum from Let's Learn Everything, and Ellen Weatherford of Just the Zoo of Us. Your suggested $10 donation supports National CASA GAL and their work advocating for kids in foster care.
2: That's this Giving Tuesday, November 29th at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. Check out MaximumFun.org slash events for more information and tickets to The Tarot Show with John Moe.
1: MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist
0: owned. Audience supported.